Mr. Show gets a movie, Kelsey Grammer begins his second decade as Fraser Crane, and Kate Beckinsale is in a world of under this week on 30 Hi everybody and welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine telling you what went down 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista, who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and this week we have a movie, finally, a movie made for me about my favorite subject, me. Yes. That's right. <laughs> it's Diana the movie. Diana the movie. I love it. I'm the- not We'll get to it. I hated the podcast, but the, the movie is amazing. Uh, <laughs> who else is with us? And I'm J.R. Rawls, and I'm listening. <laughs> I understood that reference. Uh, please, people, do not brace yourself for something as enormous as last week's episode. That shit happens in our remaining monoculture decade, 93. A lot of new stuff to talk about this week. Uh, we'll tell you about it, uh, but not as much as last week. I discovered and rediscovered so many things that I liked. Really happy with the crop of releases this week because we're going to tell you what movies, TV, video games, music, and more came out. And it's, yeah, a lot of great stuff to talk about uh, across three decades. This decade, or this week being September 15th to the 21st in 1993, 2003, and 2013. Get it? 30, 2010. Three segments. My co-hosts are tired of hearing this spiel. I bet they grit their teeth and wait for it to be over. Uh, anyway, if, you, if you're tired of hearing that, patreon.com slash laser time. New season of Elm Street Nightmare coming as soon as maybe next week. Uh, Halloween-y, what are we doing, JR? What are we covering? We are covering the entire Evil Dead franchise. Awesome. The very earliest Evil Dead to the most recent one. Yep. So, so cool. And I was reminded of it once again, um, if I haven't said this a thousand times, watching, I already started with my spooky season watch, Adam's Family Values, and Thing in the Adam's Family show was a hand that emerged from the wall. It was supposed to represent something so ugly it couldn't be seen, and you would only see its hand. Barry Sonnenfeld made it a disembodied hand after helping make Evil Dead. Come on. How cool is that? How cool is that? I never... <laughs> Sorry, that was a personal discovery on the show. Patreon.com slash later time. Five bucks. New 80s in depth coming soon as well. So over a thousand podcasts. Over a thousand? Did I say a thousand? Maybe over a thousand. I haven't counted, but there's a lot. Uh, five bucks. Help support our show. Let's move on, shall we? Because I have so many things I want to talk about with you guys. 1993. Uh, September 15th and 21st. A little bit of news to bring you in to the wonderful world of 30 years ago. And really, the last Russian troops leave Poland? <laughs> yep. They entered I... in 1939. When you know. Pinocchio came uh, out. <laughs> yeah. uh, when World War Two came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Russia was absolutely Germany's ally for the first two years of World War II. They divided up Europe and they said, you conquer this area, we'll conquer the rest. They were absolutely an aggressor that conquered nation after nation. And they didn't leave. Mm. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why Ukraine is fighting so hard right now. Yeah. It's it's a oh, mystery. Yeah. yeah, Poland and Ukraine. I, I always go back and forth of which one's the most fucked country in European history because they're just <laughs> they're just stuck between two superpowers who are constantly yeah. trying to take their shit. <sighs> well, it's probably the countries that no longer exist. 
I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just really think it's crazy that Russia invaded Poland at a time when radio was super high tech and they didn't get rid of them until the birth of the internet. <laughs> wow. Holy crap. Um, yep. And that's, that's quite a heel-face term for Russia. I don't know a lot about history. Movie history a little more. Uh, Di, I think this might be a fun mention for you, because this week mm -hmm. Paramount and Viacom agree to merge. And I just find Paramount as a studio fascinating because it is, I think, the oldest American film studio. Oh. It, like, still in operation. Still in operation, yeah. yeah they're um, older but On its own? I mean, there's... Universal Columbia. One year, one old. year after, yeah. I checked on that. Uh, yeah. There, what, but Param and not only that, it's the only like whenever you see somebody going to a set or a lot, all that's left is Paramount. They're the only ones it's left in Hollywood. So they they I think they represent the feeling of Hollywood more than they represent the industry at this point because they're this scrappy. They're the worst streaming service. <laughs> they want quite a bit of money for the least amount of content. And it's always like, hope you like Blue Blood, Star Trek, and Beavis and Butthead. Like, can anybody really love all three of these? Like, I mean, two out of three for me. <laughs> this is when, like, they had just tried to take over Warner Brothers. And I think maybe a hostile takeover from Viacom, but they just agreed to settle on it. All right, let's merge for real. Because I don't know, JR, whatever you watch, like, Indiana Jones, it's like, Paramount, a Gulf and Western company. Um, <laughs> this is... Officially, if you're born in the last 30 years, this won't confuse you at all. But if you're older than that, yeah, this is a little weird. It's, it signifies a different phase for kind of the oldest traditional studio, which is hasn't merged with other studios yet as of yet. And now is like super tiny compared to everybody else. I never thought I'd root for Paramount. Will there ever be another big studio merger because really if like warner brother what is left disney at this point there's nothing left there's what is left uh I, I i mean what we're probably counting out is stuff like discovery and probably some youtube networks uh cool. that that could happen because well, i want 20th century getting bought by disney that's that that's pretty huge i mean i thought that was you don't like think of it as though because once yeah. they became one i really just can't see any of the big three buying out the other big three at this point. No. I mean, they, they eventually they're like, so. you know, I thought is eventually they were going to buy out GM. Probably not. Yeah. I thought they might have to start merging just to fight Disney, but it looks like, you know, we had talked on a Patreon show that all that merging isn't exactly helping them. Their, their IP isn't worth maybe as much as they thought to them. It's not uh, moving the needle a lot. But yeah, I just thought that was interesting to bring up in contrast to something I'll bring up in the news 10 years later, but also where Paramount stands today. I think it has the least brand recognition as a studio with people under 30 because of its tininess. Whereas, mm. you know, for us, Godfather, Wayne's World, Coneheads, Top Gun, Indiana mm. Jones, like it was a major, major studio. Anyway, just interesting to contrast, right? That's what we do on the show. Uh, and then... Moving into the movies of 1993, uh, 30 years ago. This is, this is a fun time. Like the yeah. last couple of weeks, we've had a lot of like, eh, and like some, just like, oh, that one was passable. Okay. And now as we get into mid to late September, we get the nice mix of, eh, we're just dumping this versus like, oh, the prestige stuff is starting to show up. Uh, yeah. Ooh. And this week, uh, biggest stinker is the one most people went to go see. And, oh. and, and I love the first one because, uh, 
not good at memes, but if I had to do tell me you're an <laughs> yes. HBO afternoon kid without telling me you're afternoon HBO kid, you could just post a picture from the movie Airborne. That movie I endured 100,000 times is cornball as hell, but charming as shit. And a guy from California moves to Cleveland. Is it Cleveland? Who cares? Cold. He moves to the cold. He moves to the cold. To he can't surf anymore, bro. And he really talks like, yeah, like a surfer, man. I just miss those waves. And learns how to rollerblade. <laughs> and that's... <laughs> it, there, you couldn't have a more 90s movie, but all the performances are really fun. Edie McClurg, Seth Green, one of his earliest... Jack Black's earliest... One of his earliest roles after like... Uh, what was that Tim, Tim Robbins movie I mentioned? Uh, uh, wasn't Bob he Roberts. in uh, Never Ending Story? Uh, three, but that three. might not be out yet. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, but he's in this movie, looking like a total psycho, too. It's awesome. Like, Jack Black as a young man played a psycho a lot. Uh, but Airborne, totally fun, worth revisiting if you're feeling nostalgic. When trying to turn rollerblading into a Rocky story, hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> are, are there any recent stupid dumb fad movies it's like hmm this is the the spinner movie it's all about uh, the guy who's impressing his girlfriend by being really good at fidget spinning is that is the equivalent of that a thing you know shit i can't the, the one that's com- I... coming to mind i need to look up the name of it but it stars steve from stranger things and it all takes place as he's an Uber driver who wants to build a streaming influencer following, but ends up being like a killer. <laughs> and the streaming phenomenon it feeds into the fad thing, but not so. But that's not really like a tangible thing. But it doesn't but like, translate into yeah. film. In fact, I don't even think we have the great streamer movie yet. I mean, streamer well, and uh, yeah. YouTube stars have been a thing for 10 plus years now, almost 20 for some of them. And we still don't have like, a star is born for YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Not. Yeah, yeah, we don't have. I mean, we have things out of the zeitgeist. I just mm-hmm. saw an ad for a movie about the GameStop uh, stock stuff. It's like, my God, that's instantaneous. But like the emoji movie is not trying to get all the yeah. kids on board with emojis. Yeah. Like, you know, airborne or gleaming the cube. And or the five, five Nights at Freddy's movie feels like. What took you so long? Jesus, is anybody still playing this? Like, <laughs> it, you know, like 10 years late yeah. on this. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I know what you're saying because I love movies. Based. It's what makes The Wizard so wonderful. <laughs> like treating the video games. Held up. Okay, there have been so many movies that I think are objectively good movies that mm-hmm. I've tried to show to my kids and they've just noped out. They watch the wizards start to finish. I do not get that. Because it's a, it's neither the time nor the place. It is such a strange movie that A, treats video games like family-friendly cocaine that everybody in the world is infatuated <laughs> with. Even Bo Bridges instantly understands the Ninja Turtles. Uh, but there's a really dark, creepy runaway movie underneath the video yeah. that I, I, I've always theorized that was the movie and they added Nintendo stuff to it because there's a really... Yeah, he watched his kids drown and then doesn't talk anymore and runs away from his fo- foster home. This is the happy Nintendo movie. Uh, yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> moving on to another film. Uh, Jesus. Uh, David Kelly, uh, Kieran Fitzgerald, Ellen Barkin, and Gabriel Byrne in Into the West. Into the West. Ooh. So... I knew this movie by reputation as like, this is an adorable movie you've never heard of. And then when I look into it and see like, oh, this is actually like a weird nexus point for a lot of 90s independent cinema. 
because yes. it's co-written by Jim Sheridan, who did My Left Foot, and he's got In the Name of the Father coming up. Uh, we could talk about the end of this year, beginning of next year, and is directed by Mike Newell, and this gets him the Four Weddings gig. Mm. And that changes fucking everything. Yeah. But it is uh, the, one of the most Irish movies that ever Irished. <laughs> oh my yes because cool. it's about a, a family of irish travelers and uh you know they're sad because mom died and then they like meet a magic horse from irish legend tiernan old <laughs> i know this will be shocking for a story set in ireland the dad's an alcoholic no what are the odds Why? No, i don't breaking ground <laughs> Uh, yeah, and so basically these kids have like this ma magic horse that they, they think is important, and then like the magic horse gets stolen by the cops, and they have to like get their magic horse back, and they go on this big adventure. Yeah, you, the way you phrase it reminded <laughs> me of a movie we'll talk about in the next segment, but it one of my favorite movies no one talks about, uh, Danny Boyle's Millions, which is mm, a movie yeah. about kids that kids could watch, but is real fucking dark, like grim there's a killer hunting little boys like R-rated Dennis the Menace kind of thing. And uh, and yeah, this this is even Roger Ebert said, like, kids will find it fine. But it, this is kind of for adults, nostalgic yeah. adults. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's got all star. Hey, it's that Irish guy. You know, you got David Kelly, who was in the Waking Dead Divide. Brendan Gleeson, Cole Meany, of course, are popping up here. And um, it's yeah, mm -hmm. it's uh, it's gorgeous and heartwarming without being like crazy sappy. And the kids aren't that annoying, which is pretty much all I ask for a movie with child actors is just just don't piss me off. Yeah. And yeah. they didn't. And uh, I yeah, kind of charmed the bejesus out of me. Yep. Into the West. Yeah, That's very, a recommend. It's a very well regarded movie, um, as is the, the next one, which I finally like, no one outside of Ireland saw. Like it was a huge hit in Ireland and yeah. everyone else was like. Whatever. It's like, it's in English. You can watch it. Yeah, his box office was measured in the pound. Um, and and uh, a movie Irish I finally ca caught yeah. up with, because um, one of my favorite directors making the mo a movie I wanted to see the least. Oh, can we can we back up a tiny Please. bit? Goodfellas, Cape Fear. Cape Fear. This. Yes. Miriam Margolis, <laughs> Winona Ryder, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Daniel Day-Lewis star in The Age of Innocence. On September 17th, acclaimed filmmaker Martin Scorsese invites you to experience the desire, the suspicion, the betrayal, the lies, the rage, the passion, No, it's not um, <laughs> that one. Uh, a the age of innocence. Uh, I love that this is after Goodfellas because that's sort of how it opens. It's like Goodfellas, and that's what's that's the beautiful thing. Please about show your work. What I love about what <laughs> if you listen to the show, and we talked about Goodfellas coming out. One of the things I got a little more out of it was learning that Martin Scorsese was had intended on directing a, a documentary about all this stuff. He's framing it in his head as like a narrator narrative with adjacent shots cutting through time and space so when you watch goodfellas there are like four scenes that are like traditional movie scenes of like two pe people having a conversation in real time the rest of it is like 
I'm talking about this. And the camera zooms over to that location or then flashes back in time to, to show you what he's talking about. Martin Scorsese changed all the filmmaking with Goodfellas with how he, sh- how he made that fucking movie. It's great. Does that, am I making sense to you, JR? Yes. Okay. So the, the, this movie opens with Joanne Woodward narrating everything and she's telling you who everybody is almost exactly like the scene in Goodfellas. <laughs> this is, uh, this is blah, 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 Brady. Of the, like she's telling you all this information you could not get from the footage alone. Uh, and, and moving really fast, she's telling you about paintings, how this ballroom is, how it works. She t- there's so much told to you about the society of this that we're in. And I don't even know the decade because it doesn't say. Uh, it's the 1870s. Okay. The, yep. And so obviously this is a sequel to Gangs of New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> it's yeah. happening only a couple of years later. That's what's amazing. It's a couple of years later in Uptown. That's it. <laughs> and it, it, it shows how brilliant Scorsese is and, and how much of a fucking film nerd he is. If you didn't see his first list of TCM movies, like, great, stuff I've never heard of. I love you, Scorsese. Love you, Marty. Uh, but how brilliant he, that he takes that just observant, meticulous touch to completely different material in a way that I don't think your other Jane Austen-y stuff is filmed like at all. Like, or resonates. No, no, it's so many interesting choices. Mm-hmm. We are presented with material object after material object where the narrator is saying this is a something 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 well this is a da 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 and we have no clue what these things are and it's never explained because that's not the point yeah like there's a brief scene in a museum where they're looking at something that has a little caption on it that says use unknown and to them, this ancient artifact, they don't know what it is. And to us, looking at this in 1990, 120 years in the future, and now 150 years in the future, it's we don't know what any of these things are, but we know you care about them. Yeah. Yeah. There is so much attention to the mundane details mm-hmm. of living in fancy high society in New York, just const- the panning over the rows of gloves laid out. And that gentlemen change their gloves for every dance partner they have. And we just think, that's stupid. How wasteful. Yeah. But no, that's probably part of why it's called Age of Innocence. Edith Wharton is the idea that like these people are in this completely separate universe from us. Yes. Where all of these things, the fact that someone is divorcing their shitty husband who lives on another continent People won't even look at her. Yes, and that's that's my favorite thing about the movie is the ultra mega rich mm. trying their best to shrug off the standards of the aristocracy they left America they left for. There's that scene where yeah. where uh, like Michelle Pfeiffer it has to be corrected by Daniel Day Lewis like ah we do not arrange marriages anymore and she's like ah yes but. They do. They yeah, just, you do. They, they do. They just don't talk about it. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's this. I, I felt consumed in this awful society. I'm so glad I don't live in, even if it meant all the money in the world. Yeah. The <laughs> thing is, all of these people are, by and large, Nuevo rich. OK, mm. New York in 1800. So 70 years before this film took place, mm-hmm. had a population of 38,000 people. <laughs> OK. That's a small little town, okay? And it grew immensely to a million by the time of this film. But, I mean, you're not really from that old of money. It's like, yes, mm-hmm. my ancestors owned half of Broadway. Oh, you mean the pig slop pen area? Yeah. They owned 
The place where all the pig shit? Great. The, the place where you can show the fetuses instead of... Yeah. It's, I lo- and I love that shot of that building standing in the middle of nothing New York. Um, it's, right. It's so, so cool. And yeah, that's yeah. that's sort of what I love about the mo- movie is that all these stupid, listless, rich white people who have no I- no standard yet for how they want to live other than the aristocracy of Europe. And that's right. that's the only thing they have to emulate. And that shit sucks. Yeah, that shit sucks. And all it does is just repress the crap out of everyone. Everyone is so repressed. Yeah, seems miserable. Because there are standards, darling, and you have to do things a certain way and you have to be received by someone or else none of their friends will talk to them. Like it's a high school clique and that becomes like a whole thing. And like, well, that guy's engaged, but, you know, he's he's attracted to someone who's... I mean, it's not like... Michelle Pfeiffer is a manic pixie dream girl. She's closer to a regular person because she's actually been through a bad marriage. Mm-hmm. And just because she's ever so slightly closer to normal, Daniel Day-Lewis like completely falls in love with her. But he's already uh, engaged to Winona Ryder and these things aren't done and she's a social pariah and it's all the longing. The sexiest scene in this movie is so good and it's someone taking off a glove. Yep. <laughs> I think... This is Winona Ryder's best acting performance because she has to thread such an incredible line because she realizes that her husband has desires for another woman, but her husband doesn't realize that. And it's only through her excellent performance that you can see her character's thoughts that are never ever explicitly said yeah and she, she got an oscar nomination for it that's another thing i like about the narrator it never tells you what a character is feeling it, it's only telling no. you about their surroundings and uh yeah. it, it's it's just very well done it's it's just beautiful it's it's like it's such a great thing to take in uh i i don't oh, I, I thought uh, i may have seen it but like i was a little too immature to enjoy it this time i just made a point like take a night by yourself put the phone down and pay attention to the one scorsese movie you haven't seen twice and I'm so glad I did. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that because I know as we've hit things like Howard's End, you're like, no, I don't yeah, want no. it. This feels like homework. Mom, I don't care these about are, which people problems. This is, this is when mom, that's a movie when mom takes us to Blockbuster and she gets to pick. Ah, uh-uh. Yeah. And yeah. And yet, yes, there's so much going on in a movie where like plot wise. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's difficult. <laughs> Unrequited <laughs> love is the plot of the movie. And it's two. It's over two hours, but it, <laughs> it, but it's it's shot so authentically and believably without like any pretense. It's damn. It's mm. like it's very. It, it run a lot of like I need to give Phantom Thread another shot. That's uh, oh. it's 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 about similar bottled emotions uh, with Daniel Day Lewis in it as his last film because Daniel the subtlety of Daniel Day Lewis. That dude is amazing. Like uh, mm. and I had it in my notes for some reason is. Daniel Day-Lewis a heartthrob in any sector of the world, Diana? Because I feel like he should be, at least after this yes. movie. Oh, yeah. No, especially at this time, because like I said earlier, we've got In the Name of the Father coming up, which is it's a vastly different role. Mm-hmm. Um, both of these happening in the same year is freaking crazy. Getting two Daniel Day-Lewis yeah. movies in a year is like getting two Mario games in a year. This year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it just, it, it, it's, it seems insane now because this guy's carved such a, such a strange path just for himself. It's just like, he just does what he wants to do and he throws himself whole hog into it. And honestly, I would have loved to hang out with him on this set because I'm sure he would be such a polite gentleman because he's so method. 
<laughs> go off and I don't know learn law codes from 1870 or whatever. And it's it said he refused. Always open the door for he you. He refused to talk to Richard Grant throughout the entire filming because that's what his character would do. Just mm. not acknowledge him on set for months. <laughs> then <laughs> saying hello after the final scene. I don't know why Daniel Day-Lewis does it to himself, and if he didn't, maybe he wouldn't have retired. So try something mm. else. Be in an Adam Sandler movie, Daniel Day-Lewis. Surprise everybody. <laughs> you be Halloween, That's too. <laughs> Honestly, we've talked about his one comedy, Yeah, and it was bizarre. So it's strange. a one comedy, and, and he uses his natural accent. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I didn't know that existed. Stars and bars, look it up. It's crazy. Crazy crazy but yeah i was i was really taken aback by how much i enjoyed this and, and just i always call scorsese i think to me he's the best living director yeah and uh yeah. still making amazing stuff and this is just so much proof of that after like two of the most violent cape fear was more successful than goodfellas Mm-hmm. And th- this is what he chooses to make a-, a story of subtle unrequited love and does it amazingly. <laughs> Dude is awesome. Yep. I got to see silence now. I missed that one too. Oh boy. And yeah, I've seen <laughs> the, I've, I've seen the Irishman <laughs> more than, uh, more than once over the course of a couple of weeks. And <laughs> Sil- silence is, I mean, it's meant to be a sort of ordeal. Yeah, <laughs> so man. it is complete. I thought it was great, but Whatever. I'm recommending to everyone this movie this week. Please cons- complete all your uh, Scorsese homework. It's a joy. It's a joy. Yep. And and you're, you've when did you see this movie, Diana? Theaters. Theaters. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. Day one. Doing your Age right. of Innocence cosplay based upon the trailers. <laughs> no, I mean I don't think it was opening weekend, but it was pretty early on. But yeah, uh, I I saw this in theaters again because like the reviews were great and I'd seen a bunch yeah. of like Merchant Ivory movies setting me up for this of like, I really liked Room with a View so I can deal with like, I'm already kind of versed in these very, you know, uh, very tight laced controlled social dramedies of, you know, these stories about manners and repression and, you know. Conquer, love conquering all or not or whatever so i was like oh and scorsese's making one well okay yeah. is this gonna end in a bloodbath because that'd be kind of funny nope <laughs> I, I, I and i like a movie that like a uh, rich fantasy where like i don't want that life even a little bit nope. uh, you could watch secession like oh man those kids sure have it rough i'm like not connor he's got the right idea just coast <laughs> on coast on the money hell yeah i'll be connor all day uh anyway Age of Innocence, man. A uh, very strong recommend for me. It, JR, recommend? Uh, yeah, it's a recommend. I watched it for the very first time for this episode mm-hmm. and uh, watched it with my wife. We both enjoyed it. It wasn't like the most amazing thing ever, but it's a solid recommend. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. Um, and then mm-hmm. hard pivot to the absolute worst fucking movie I've seen in a very long time. <laughs> Ooh, this Ro- was, uh, yeah, when we get to 95 and Bruce Willis needs to come back. This is why Robert, man, I was, I was hoping to blow your minds with that. Robert Pastorelli, Dennis Farina, Tom Sizemore, Sarah Jessica Parker, Bruce Willis. It is number one at the box office, baby. Striking night boat, striking distance. (laughs) Anyone? It should have been called night boat. (laughs) Night boat. Tom Hardy, infamous. They should never have put him in the water. Imagine this job after they took your shield. If they didn't want him to make waves. I hate to be the one to break this to you. You are not a homicide detective anymore. You just won't let go, will you? I'm 
I'm trying to solve a murder here. Let me rephrase that. If, if you care enough, watch one of these trailers and see how much is not in the movie. And, and, and yeah, it's it, this movie is a fucking mess. And I love that Diana pointed it out that Bruce will like we'll probably talk about it in two years when like Quentin Tarantino and Nobody's Fool resurrect Bruce Willis's stagnant career. I didn't even realize yep. we were living in it uh, we're, Next through 30, year, 2010 right baby. Now. Yes. 94. Sorry. Not 95. Yeah. Because of shit like striking distance, which. Horrible. Nobody cares. Horrible. It, it, horrible. it tested badly with audiences. They recut it. They did it again. They recut it. They did it again. And now you get the. Also, I totally forgot that the main character's name is Tom Hardy, Tom and Hardy. that is not the first or last time we're going to talk about someone. This episode has a, a character name that's distracting. <laughs> it's 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 bizarre to have a all the Sex in the City I watched, and like this is the Sarah Jessica Parker sex scene I remember, and from L.A. Story. <laughs> Uh, even though that's just more audio. This movie sucks, like all the way sucks. Well, the <laughs> fundamental problem is it's really, really hard to look like a badass in boat shorts. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yep. Or, or or attractive, which Sarah Jessica Parker is in boat shorts. It's everybody looks bad. It's like, I thought I remembered this being shot in Florida because, hey, at least you'd have like picturesque river sequences where all of... This is Philly, sorry, Diana, or, or somewhere in Pennsylvania. No, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. It's Pittsburgh. It was originally called Three Rivers, which is a better title, too. So everything looks like glorified drainage and just like it's shitty locales to look upon. Like there's one action sequence in the beginning, like, holy shit, this is going to be great. Nothing like that happens ever again. Where Frazier's dad, for some reason, <laughs> drives off a cliff to take out the tire of a. Dude. I can't now. I can't think about anything else but the fucking awful ending of this film. Just oh yeah. For quick point, Frazier's dad. This is the last week in which anyone will see him as anyone but Frazier's dad. His, his from, last week is John Mahoney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from here on out, he's Frazier's dad. But yeah, this film had a horrible, horrible ending, and I'm glad, listeners, glad that Siskel and Ebert pretty much spoil the ending for their 1993 audience yeah i'd say it's obvious and like tom sizemore is the dude this checks so many boxes of like made for tv movie this should have like premiered on hbo like friday night in the 90s Mm. tom sizemore he's not in the movie enough that's diana's rule He's very spastic character. He's definitely the killer. He sort of is, except it's his brother who we see commit suicide early in the movie, but he didn't die somehow, which we're not isn't He's elaborate not really upon. <laughs> it's not. They don't even tell us how. <laughs> like, how did you do this? How did you survive falling off a bridge? Whatever. I I want to hear the clip. I want to hear Siskel and Ebert ruin the movie. Oh please. Okay. For example, there are only two possible people who can be the killer, right? Yeah. And the movie cheats at the end in I terms of so, uh, solving that. I agree okay. that, now, that. There's another person in the movie who turns out to have a secret identity. Yeah. And if that person indeed has the identity that that person appears to have, okay. then how did that person get the training to be a police diver? Since obviously there was no time for that. Then there are, well, in any event, the whole whole question of Farina's behavior turns out to be a puzzle when you think okay. back. And on and on and on. You yes. just sit there saying, this movie is really stupid because it isn't even smart enough to answer obvious questions that the audience will have. <laughs> Forget all the intricacies. It's so true. It's the, I'm so glad. I love it when Ebert agrees with me wholeheartedly. This movie fucking sucks. 
and you should never watch is it. Is Bruce Willis going to be remembered for a single action role other than Die Hard? Because when you think of 80s <sighs> and 90s action heroes, you think Arnold, Stallone, mm. Van Damme. Now, in terms of paycheck, Bruce Willis was right up there with yeah. all those other guys. It is, his movies but, were more successful into the 90s. But mm. his action film legacy is Die Hard, and to, to to be fair, he did kind of alter his legacy, and and I, I don't know how much longer we'll even have Bruce Willis around. I don't think he's going to act anymore. Not long. But like, no, no he he's he removed made, himself he's from the public. He made cool decision after cool fucking decision all the time. Uh, make another yep. Die Hard. I'd rather go make a movie with Terry Gilliam, and Twelve Monkeys, like. Uh, I'll go be in Pulp Fiction. I'll be in Four Rooms, uh, Wes Anderson movies. Like, he made real cool choices. And I think to try and stay away from being known as an action star, JR, I, I don't know if I have to point this out to you again. As someone who, like, throughout my uh, last 20 years, I haven't had access to a lot of Walmarts. Bruce Willis <laughs> has made 9,000 action movies in the last 15 years you've never fucking heard of. It's It really is astounding. Like, yeah. his. You would think we would know every Bruce Willis movie. And I, I couldn't tell you what he does in it. You know he's not jumping around moving around. We saw the last <laughs> Die Hard movie for the show. It was awful. And he might as well have been on a different planet than the rest of the sequences that were being filmed. I feel like there might it might be a generational line. There might be people who think Armageddon more. Mm, true. But for action movies? No. Die Hard's the only action movie I think of with Bruce Willis, which is crazy because he made so freaking many of them. Yeah. But yeah, the next thing I think of is like Reds. Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense, yeah. yeah, yeah. Made cool decision with Sixth Sense. Bruce Willis, man, made a lot of cool choices, uh, especially in the nineties. Um, yep. Yeah. This was not one of this, them. This is all. Aw- well, this was cash. I mean, he gets cash money for this, and then he can go do do nobody's fool for like eight dollars and some string cheese. And I yeah. only looked into it very, very briefly, but this was when I think. Columbia is under the control of the guy who demanded Kevin Smith put a metal spider into Superman. <laughs> he is yep. guiding the studio at this point, and this is his fault. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> that makes me Let's laugh. Blame John Peters. Yeah. So, so always oh, works. right, the one Bradley Cooper played <laughs> movie. Yeah, um, Licorice yep. Pizza. Anyway, yeah, this movie sucks. Don't fucking watch it. Um, no. You know what? I love that we have. We're going to go into TV. TV from thirty years ago, September fifteenth to the twenty first. And JR threw something in here that is incredibly worth, like way worth mentioning about home video on your TV screens for the first time. And that's very sadly the definitive edition, official edition of George Lucas's Star Wars. Is that how you say Star Wars uh, on Laserdisc comes out 30 years ago. And that is the last time those editions were tended to. Sorry, released. Yep. I believe Lucasfilm did something with the original versions of Star Wars, but uh, well, this is—is is there like you know, an extra on a DVD somewhere? But, but those, like those, in those a bad aspect those ratio are, and yeah. those are these transfers. Those are right. these transfers. So the, the the last time even they've made officially available, which is like in the two thousands, it was this version, this yeah. re, this master. If you've ever watched the despecialized edition of star Wars, you are watching the majority from these laser discs mm-hmm. and I own them. Mm-hmm. I, the big guys, yep, the big guys. guys. I, I got a laser disc player because it was the future 
and because it's such better quality oh, wow. and because if you freeze frame the Roger Rabbit yeah. uh, laser disc. I, I, I do own that one. <laughs> I do own that one. Uh, but I was the biggest Star Wars fan in the planet. And so this is a huge financial outlay for me. But I got them because of all this stuff I had heard about them, all these special extra features. Mm-hmm. Now, put yourself in the mind of a 1993 Star Wars plan, mm-hmm. fan. If you wanted to see anything but the movies, no YouTube, no internet, anything extra would have to be like a seventh generation tape passed around by who knows yeah. what at a Comic-Con convention. It, it, or you can get this laser disc and listen to this. All of the coming attractions trailers are included, even a rare early trailer calling the third movie Revenge of the Jedi instead of Return. And look at this rare footage of crude models on sticks being used in experiments to work out one of the space battles, narrated here by special effects expert Ken Ralston. We took the first space battle and did our own cut, and then we sat down, every one of us that was involved, and did our own sound effects for it. So as the ships are going around, we'd be just using our mouths and just faking it so so cool because i was about to uh, chime in jr like to see the behind the scenes of star wars that was worthy enough to be like a primetime abc special in mm-hmm. the early 90s i remember when cable got the rights to show star wars they showed fewer commercial breaks to run behind the scenes in between because it's that Im- it was that important for people to see but this was hardly a standard for home video yet and yeah oh no there were Keep no extras mind, on video, period. No, no none at all. To watch the trailer for Star Wars felt so amazing yeah. to me because I was the biggest Star Wars fan in the world, but when would I have ever seen the movie trailer? Yeah. I'm, one yep. of the things I was minorly obsessed when when the DVD format first came out, they always included radio spots. And it, only <laughs> seeing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where like Tarant- even in the soundtrack, Tarantino weaves in commercials like... But yeah, yeah, like uh, I was nowhere near ready to adopt. You didn't buy them at the time, did you? Yes, I did. Wow. The, Ooh, yeah. Those, by the way, I believe. Those must have cost some serious. They're like $100, yeah. weren't they? That yeah. was probably a huge chunk of my summer job. Yeah. I, uh, I picked up cigarette butts at a car dealership wow. for the summer. <laughs> and Oof. no job has made me resent smokers so much as that job just because i was like i am never gonna smoke these guys there's a trash can over there there's an ashtray but no they just throw them all over the goddamn lot so that was like at least two hours of every day for an entire summer walking around picking up cigarette butts Uh, and cigarette butts have a very specific spell that's worse than smoking yeah Yeah. i don't know how that happens but they uh cigarette butts i hate that smell uh, I, I sent in a different chat this week the first ever picture I saw of a scored and graded VHS. I hate that idea. <laughs> VHS. <laughs> it's a 9.8 out of 10. These are the most expensive laser discs to this day. Like that that format is worthless. You can pay, like I love picking up laser discs because it's big, gorgeous art of your favorite movies that look great on your wall. They aren't quite posters. They're bigger than lobby cards. So they're they're worthless, but not the Star Wars ones. They're still highly coveted items, and you can find them yep. for hundreds of dollars all over the internet. Yeah, I remember my friend had the Laserdisc and taped it onto VHS for me. Mm. So and and to contrast and compare my VHS to VHS copy with the Laserdisc to VHS copy, and going like, oh my god! Yeah. But also 
there were pauses as he flipped the disc. <laughs> so now the movie ran a lot longer because there would be like 30 seconds of blue screen waiting for the disc, next disc just to kick in. Because you had to flip them. That's uh, and, yeah, I think there may have been some the additional sound stuff done, but as far as the picture goes, this is the last time there is. It's hard to say what the original cut of Star Wars is because Lucas was tinkering it yeah. with it while in theaters, and was until the moment Disney snatched snatched it from him. Well, that was fucking hysterical when Disney. All right, Star Wars is now on Disney Plus. There's new stuff in here. God damn it, George. Stop touching this stuff. <laughs> Get away. Uh, hilarious. But oh, back to regular TV because there still is a lot to talk about here. Do we want to talk about the Emmys first? Let's talk about the Emmys first. Let's talk about the Emmys first. Let's talk old business before we get to new business. So the Emmys, hosted by Angela Lansbury. Hell this yeah. This is the only time Seinfeld wins Best Comedy Series. <laughs> really? Really? Uh, yeah, I believe so. And. Oh wow! But but it's beating Cheers in its last season, which is kind of a surprise. Well, I mean, but they're... yeah, Seinfeld's cast would clean up all the time. The writers would clean up, the directors would clean up. I believe this is the only time it won Best Comedy Series. Not Jerry though. <laughs> Michael Richards yep. this year though, he got it. Yep. Um, and uh, outstanding dramas: Picket Fences beating Front Runner, Northern Exposure, which is weird because neither of those are really dramas. <laughs> <laughs> they're dramedies. You know, I mean, but they're hour long, so I, I guess I understand. And the homicide. Meh. And uh, I remember this was touted pretty highly on both the DVD and when MTV was rerunning it. The Ben Stiller show, uh, one for, hey. yeah, outstanding variety or music program over Kids in the Hall, Letterman and SNL. Um, yeah, one, one season wonder. It was already canceled by the time it got its Emmy. Posthumous <laughs> Emmy there. And anything else worth Next. noting? Yeah. Dream On, one for directing. Love Dream On. Never <laughs> get tired ah, of talking about Dream On. Uh, God, that show is forgotten. Yeah. I think it's because the rights are just such an issue. They're like, yeah, this will never get. Yeah, HBO ever, did not ever. own the show. Uh, and the show, the people who own the show do not own the rights to the footage they intersplice to make it. The, like the proto-family guy, Mystery Science Theater, with boobies. Um, yep. <laughs> is moving on to what's coming out this week. Let's talk about some dramas first. Uh, Moon Over Miami debuts on ABC. Uh, it's a detective show starring the Rocketeer. Uh, <laughs> it's about a runaway bride who ends up working for the detective who was hired to find her. Ah, ah, ah and then Cobra okay. debuts in Cobra debuts in syndication. Not the Stallone movie. That's too good for syndication. No. Cobra. Cobra! Oh, not that but no, it's Also too Nah, good. not that one. It's about a forming Navy SEAL who fights crime for a secret <laughs> foundation. And then perhaps most spectacular of all on ABC, which is sort of weird, NYPD Blue debuts. Oh, oh la controversy. Yes, because ABC even is not before... the Disney network yet. No, and... but even before this debuted people were clutching their pearls and freaking out because part of the casting was you had to agree to a certain amount of nudity Yep, on yeah. network television. That was unheard of. I believe this is the first TVMA show uh, that's probably. on network television. And yeah, probably. with that the hype got them a little more leeway. The hype around this was insane. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is baby JR's first adult TV show. And I watched it. <laughs> solely because of the hype. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, I was watching Star Trek and Sequest, DSV, but those aren't fully adult. This is an adult show 
marketed for adults and I was there day one and I stuck around for the entire first season just because of all the hype about nudity, strong language, all that stuff. But, you know, I fell off because I don't think I've ever liked a single cop show in my entire life as much as I've liked, say, Briscoe County Jr. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I remember trying to tune in for that, but... It's like the parody South Park did with their shit episode. You're here to see the one shit, that, which they couldn't say. But th- that was the fun mm-hmm. thing about it is that defining itself as mature content and airing at a later time, they had to reevaluate what you can and can't say over broadcast network airwaves. And my favorite evidence of this is in Saturday Night Live and more specifically Mystery Science Theater 3000 because somebody had to have the conversation, can't say dick, we can say dick weed, one word dick weed and it made headlines for being the first it was the first show to get dick over american airwaves uh <laughs> disguised in dick weed and you can tell there's like a year of mystery science theater 2000 they say it like three times an episode because they were just basically because of nypd everyone was given that as a gift say dick weed all you want now <laughs> it's totally fine it is still yeah. illegal to blaspheme on american television you nope. cannot say jesus christ or goddamn. Or goddamn. You, you cannot you God. legally blaspheme over uh, the government's airwaves. Yep. Yeah, I always liked how they they managed to make things sound hard boiled without getting to use the real swears. Calling someone a miserable hump is a really <laughs> good term mm-hmm. that sounds so much more horrible when Dennis Franz is saying it <laughs> when it really doesn't mean anything. And I I didn't I was never a fan of the show. Didn't rewatch it for this. It made me wonder, because you remember that John Mulaney joke about law and order, like, is pretty squeaky clean, even when it's subject matter isn't. But they're trying to find ways to talk about disgusting stuff. They end up, like, coming up with more disgusting euphemisms that are infinitely more disturbing (laughs) than regular curse words. Wonder if NYPD Blue holds up a little better, because it sounds more like how how a New York cop would talk. But I'll leave that for... The listeners to decide. I'm not watching NYPD Blue. I watch one of these sitcoms. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel it would be interesting uh, going back and watching all of NYPD Blue. That seems like uh, you'd only do that if you're doing a podcast. There's 12 seasons, 261 episodes. But at the time, in particular, it's interesting because it's coming from Stephen Bochco, who I think his last TV show was Cop Rock. Yeah, and David Milch would go on to do Deadwood. Yes. And Oh, and, and it, it was, remember, it was a starring vehicle for David Caruso in the first season, and yeah. he very famously Chevy chased out of the second season, and it was kind of nice. They didn't like, let's replace him with Michael Keaton. It's like, the rest of the cast, move on up. Every It's now an ensemble show, and you all are yep. the David Caruso. Yeah, well, it's already an ensemble, because it's about all of the, you know, people in the precinct, and you got uh, a lot of really good actors in there, and I, I appreciate that... I remember I would dip in and out of this every now and then. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I liked was when it started, I thought, oh, they're just going to try to be edgy for the sake of edgy. And I don't think they did. I don't think like there are some times where I feel like, okay, the shield is just trying a little hard. Mm -hmm. NYPD blue. They, they get away from that pretty quickly. He made you suck. Uh, No, that's a (laughs) shield joke for no one. But I I think when they find, they didn't, throw in the nudity right away but it was hilarious when they did it was uh with sipowitz that's yeah. the butt you got they to went see. to such great lengths for that they sued <laughs> the 
FTC, FTC arguing that buttocks are not a sexual organ. Yep. At this point, you know how many times I'd seen Stimpy's like supple and glistening ass cheeks? Like, what is the difference? <laughs> He's not wearing pants. Those That is his ass. We've seen this already. Uh, yep. Show me the saggy, hairy ass of Dennis. <laughs> yeah, but so much of the time, it's like, here he is in the shower. Like, yeah. well, you're implying nudity. You didn't need to prove it to me. I, most people don't wear shorts <laughs> in the shower. So, I mean, but come the, on. It's, somebody had to do it. It's just weird that it was on ABC. Anyway, moving on to sitcoms debuting this week. Uh, not a lot you'll remember. Uh, I was there for the Sinbad show. Don't remember much about it other than that he's got a bunch of kids that aren't biologically his. I didn't bother to look up why. But uh, yeah, that's what a thing. It was. It's odd that Sinbad didn't have more sitcoms. He was like one of the most recognizable yeah. stand-ups on the planet and seemed pretty happy to just keep doing that. All right. Until it's proven otherwise, my headcanon is going to be that the Sinbad show has the exact same premise and reason as Horsin' Around. Yeah, let's say that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then Cafe uh, Americane? Not the Casablanca spinoff I was looking for. Ah, debuts on NBC. Yeah, Valerie Bertinelli? Okay. She uh, finds a job working as a waitress in a small cafe in France. (laughs) Serving hamburgers at Cafe Americane. Okay. And then the uh-huh. o- the only one thing, thing I, I just because how much I liked Harry Anderson and how much my dad liked Dave Barry, one of mm-hmm. Florida's most noted humorists, barely beating me out. Uh, Dave's World debuts on CBS. So when I got my first job picking up cigarette butts at a car dealership, I decided I would treat my father and his uh, wife to a present, and so I went to the local Barnes and Noble. And I got them both a book, and the book I got from my father was Dave Barry's collected columns number 257 or whatever. Mm. And he was like, oh, thanks, son. <laughs> I'll just set it down over here. And I was like, all right. Assumed you'd like what, it, you but couldn't I couldn't afford P.J. O'Rourke, and then he farted on your book. <laughs> yeah, no, that belongs in the bathroom. That's where they're supposed to be. Bathroom yeah. reading. It's, it's uh, that iPhones dude, have that is very famous movie. with people a lot older than us, and I think he only just quit slash newspapers decided paying writers wasn't worth it. And uh, yeah. yeah, and then also I loved Harry Anderson as well, so I was there day one for this, and very bored. Didn't hold my interest. Very bored. It's being set the, in the Florida is thing... the only thing I remember being remarkable about it. There was no sitcom set in Florida. I, I remember them making a joke about how. They spray for cockroaches in Florida, go out and see a movie, come home, and then the cockroaches come home from seeing their own movie. Ah, it does <laughs> yeah. happen on occasion. Yeah, it's it's yeah. soft, it's affable. I mean, that's kind of Dave Barry's humor is just soft and affable dad humor. So, yeah, that's fine. I didn't realize Patrick oh. Warburton popped up on it. Oh, that's my cool. God. I do remember one episode fairly vividly. Uh, Wow. Dave, played by Harry Anderson, was like staying up late. He was super tired. And then he was like, oh, I really want to get a good night's sleep. So I'm just going to chug a whole bunch of NyQuil. And then zaniness happens. And after chugging a whole bunch of NyQuil, he has to stay awake. And I think... I've thought of that scene a solid dozen times when I've been like, oh, I am so incredibly exhausted. I'm going to take this NyQuil just so that I sleep a full 12 hours. And I'm just like, but what if Dave's world is real and happens to me? What if I have to give birth in an elevator and other such sitcom 
<laughs> Pablum. Uh, yeah, Dave's World. I think it went four seasons, so didn't hit those syndication numbers. But some people remember it. I don't remember the Mommies debuting on NBC. The Mommies. Oh, I remember the Mommies. They were a comedy duo, and all their jokes... Oh, I didn't realize they're from Petaluma, so they're from Northern California. Um, yeah, their thing was about, like, oh, the wackiness of being a housewife and mom and, you know, stuff. And they got a sitcom somehow. They, like, weren't funny, but, man, they were popular for, like, a year as a comedy duo. Early influencers, let's call them. I guess. I, I don't know. On the internet. I forgot, I forgot they I were an existing care. brand. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't care. And then why don't uh, we take you into the far and away the biggest television debut I think we have to talk about this week. Uh, yeah. Let's intro it with the scene from the very first scene. Awesome. We're just about at the end of our hour. Let me see if I can cut to the chase by using myself as an example. Six months ago, I was living in Boston. My wife had left me, which was very painful. Then she came back to me, which was excruciating. <laughs> On top of that, my practice had grown stagnant, and my social life consisted of hanging around a bar night after night. (laughs) You see, I was clinging to a life that wasn't working anymore, and I knew I had to do something, anything. So I ended the marriage once and for all, packed up my things, and moved back here to my hometown of Seattle. Go Seahawks! (laughs) Wow. Uh, Yeah, I hadn't seen this since the debut, I don't think, so I made it a point to watch this. I, I was never a big Frasier person, but it's, 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 Ah. it's odd how it like Seinfeld kind of exists because of cheers and Frasier did fine because of Seinfeld. It's on right after Seinfeld in the heyday. Well, yeah, it's not, I mean, it's, it's not the thing that block between friends and Frasier is where they would, you know, put all kinds of crap to try to make it work Mm -hmm. or between Seinfeld and Frasier. It was like, no, Frasier does very well right off the bat. And I, love this freaking show it it is up there with seinfeld for me of one of the best comedies of the 90s because man is it writerly those Mm. writers Mm. get to just go bonkers and do every weird theater kid thing they've ever wanted to do there's episodes that are french farces there's episodes that it's just one long scene for for the entire half hour it's just one long complicated scene and all the actors they did such a good job casting yeah, because oh, yeah. like, how do you play off of Frazier, who his idea is he is you, he's very pompous and full of himself. You make and a, he a, he's an academic. You make a bigger Frazier, and yes. Niles is my favorite <laughs> character. Oh, I love David Hyde Pierce ever since I saw him on this show. Yeah, you make a weenier, more annoying Frazier, mm. that, but you can't help but feel bad for him. And then you got, you know, Jane leaves, and, and you give him a, a blue collar dad. Uh, you know, and, and you've got uh, Roz at work, Perry Gilpin, who's you know. Which retcons cheers. He said his dad is dead. But then it fixes it because they have an episode where Sam Malone visits and he says, uh, you told us your dad was dead. And he was like, well, we had a fight. So he was like dead to me. Oh, he was dead to me. He says, like, I'm an ex-cop. He he told us you were a prestigious researcher. Well, you were dead. What did it matter? Because <laughs> even yeah. I, I just I watched the also... last episode of Cheers. Did he end up with Lilith at the end of that episode? Sort of. Or the end of the season? Yeah. Because he, he mentions yeah. like Brick. And she, Mimi Newa still comes back on this show a lot. Yeah. And I, I do like 
keeping his ex in his in his life rather than like most people do that to write off contractually actors whereas yeah <laughs> lilith hovers like an ex-wife <laughs> throughout 22 years of sitcoms yeah yeah, she yeah comes, but... i mean it makes sense for them because it's like who else can they be with they're so perfect for each other but they drive each other too insane because they're too alike so yeah it makes sense that they would they're, they're, yeah, they on again, off again, over and over and over. And well, then they I'll always feel bad just... about it because they don't want to confuse their son. <laughs> but the sheer comedic potential of having Frasier be single just opens up so much more yeah. storytelling yeah, yeah. things for yeah. a, what is it, an 11 season show or something yeah. ridiculous like that? Yes, it, yeah. it, it, it's, it, I, look, I looked it up. It is nine episodes less than Shears. So like it's almost <laughs> wow. the exact same run. See, if Frasier had only ever appeared in Cheers, I think he'd deserve to be on the bottom of a list of greatest sitcom characters of all time. Yeah. But because of Frasier, the TV show, I think he's in like the top three. That's what I think is so nuts about it. Like when your favorite TV show devotes a whole episode to a side character, 11 seasons of 24 episodes to a Cheers character that won Emmys out the ass is getting a prestigious new reboot for some reason with none of the yeah. cast other than yeah, it's It's so unique. I mean... What's the other television shows about relentlessly highbrow psychologist Bobos in Seattle? <laughs> and I'd, I'd also like to point out, keeping his haircut this deep into the 90s, that Fraser Crane is recognizable in silhouette. Like, you don't even have to have my glasses on and I know I'm watching Fraser. <laughs> that's, that's a very interesting point, JR, of like, how many shows are about snobs? Mm. Hmm. I mean, Not there's... Keeping up appearances is like, and it's British. That's the first thing they say. Yeah, he, he is such a snob, and watching him brought low with his snobbery is yeah. so much of the fun. It's one of my favorite episodes of anything ever. Is the episode where they go on Antiques Roadshow because they have this clock they think they make some Russian nobility, and then find out, yeah, it was st <laughs> it was stolen by a housemaid who then became a sex worker. <laughs> that's what they're actually defend descended from, you know, thieves and hookers. <laughs> Yeah, and they're like, well, uh, just because of that doesn't mean you can take our clock. And they're like, well, we're going to publish that story unless you let us do it. Take it, take it. We don't want it. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, making fun of snobs is a literary tradition that goes back at least 3,000 years. But yeah. what Frasier, the television show, does brilliantly is show how his being a snob isolates him and makes us feel mm. bad for him. And that's really well done throughout the entire series. You think he would have learned yeah, something hanging point. out in a blue collar Boston bar all that time? Just, he mm. was slumming it in Boston. Yeah. You know, yeah. he uh, he was at a low point in his life in Boston. His apartment yep. is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. That is a what? Like Thirty eight, to forty million dollar apartment million, in yeah. Seattle today. Holy view shit. of the I because I have to mention it. I do think it was weird. I thought Daphne was the hottest person in the universe, but I think it's because she's a really good character. And I think if you've heard me talk about sitcoms, I like people playing to the rafters. I'm talking mm -hmm. mama's family. And, <laughs> and, and the show kind of does that. Like, uh, I, I do think these are much broader characters than are on most NBC sitcoms. Friends were just yep. 20 somethings, just kind of playing affable versions of themselves. There's a ton of screaming in Frasier. <laughs> so oh, <yeah>. much screaming. <laughs> Another one of my favorites where they, <laughs> he's dating a Jewish woman and they end up, uh, 
he, he and Niles end up having a big screaming fight, but they don't know how to re- resolve it because they're Gentiles. <laughs> they're like, maybe we should call our Jewish neighbor, Mrs. Feinstein, and she'll tell us how to fix this. <laughs> I don't know. Stop yelling at you now. And, and, and she, as we're talking, I'm remembering more and more episodes because I'm remembering oh, that, so and I remember them like watching uh, the Jewish couple fight and uh, going, "Oh, do you guys need a tissue?" And the mom says, "No, we're going to be fine in about three minutes." And then they continue the fight, and then, <laughs> "Okay, done. Let's get to the airport in time." Kiss, kiss. <laughs> yeah the 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 ski chalet French farce episode. Oh, is you one need of to tell the me. Best. You mean to tell me everyone here pulsating with hormones and none of you were lusting after me? (laughs) (laughs) I remember the first time I watched that one, I was just gobsmacked. I was like, oh, my God, they're doing noises off in 22 minutes flat. And it is working like it's everything is just slamming doors and sneaking into rooms. And you just did a whole episode of that. Why? Because we can because yeah. we can't it works it fits with Fraser's general theme of uh these guys are full of themselves and and, and yeah. just allow me to, amazing. to point this out i kind of took took Fraser for granted this is a great pilot by the way the first episode oh yeah really good oh, it pilot. sets up everything this mm-hmm. is another pilot watch if you want to understand how pilots work mm-hmm. it sets up everything you need to know while still being funny without a lot of expo yeah it's, it's really Does dad still live with eddie i don't like the way eddie looks at me it's, he's so, always staring he knows something Fra- we find Fra- out that he's the dog i look, looked into it fraser wasn't like a huge ratings win- winner along the lines of friends or seinfeld it was a yeah. big emmy winner so it was popular with critics but for people my age i never heard anybody to talk about it and then the syndication era of the the next 20 years yeah. It it had a, a life I never would have expected of it because at the time people were not expecting a Cheers spinoff to work. In, no, in, in, no. spinoffs never work. No. Not not is, that directly. Do you is have this the sometimes... most? Is this the most successful spinoff of all time? Uh, yeah. maybe outside of like a Norman Lear or Batman the animated no. series. No, but even, <laughs> yeah, but even probably, those yeah. was usually like you know you introduce a new character for an episode or two and then their show debuts mm-hmm. you know or, or they've been around for a little bit like good times is a spinoff of mod yeah it's really more like they're not doing something different we're just seeing like their personal life or you know yeah what what happens when florida goes home from mod's house now where it's about her family and, and... sure or or they're like backstory backdoor pilots like how mork and mindy is technically a spinoff of happy days for some reason because that's where Mark debuted. Thank you, Gary Marshall. Right. But yeah, the, and yeah, even it's just then, randomness, but not something them... that has a you know its own cast that becomes beloved and runs for this freaking. And not, none long. of them went and... eleven years, garnered this many yeah. Emmys, and it, it's just a long time. And I, 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 I thought Kelsey Grammer held some sort of record because it's... oh, he's just short of it. I think I feel like this the revival is coming just so he can finally beat that record. But 22 <laughs> consecutive years of playing right. the same Jesus. character on television and right. it didn't I don't believe it got canceled cuz people were tired of it. It was still doing fine. I think it was just I I, I was googling something else is like Kelsey Grammer makes 13 million dollars per year on Frasier residuals per year. No it, wow. And you wonder why none of the cast is in the reboot? Well, John Mahoney has a good explanation. But but everybody else, they are sitting fine, having doing nothing. Yeah. I. But everyone in this cast is such good. Yeah. I remember 
in the early 90s, when I'm still in high school, I was uh, eating alone at a restaurant, and I overheard these two middle-aged woman talking about the show and they started talking about how good the father was and how he brought everything together and that was something i hadn't really thought of until i overheard that but it completely works all these characters work great we haven't even mentioned the niles and daphne romance that starts Mm -hmm. off in this very episode and is going to be a through line for the entire series you know by having the will they or won't they be with not the main character that was a brilliant decision because you can always make it be the side story, not the main overarching plot. But it's the undercurrent that just drags you along for season after season. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's a coincidence that the show many fans considered peaked uh, before they did. Will they? Yeah. Yeah, it's just oh. it's a fun running gag, especially because David Hyde Pierce mostly is so fucking funny. Oh, <laughs> just like his desperate puppy dog energy is just always so fun. I try not to do this every episode, but canonically, Fraser Crane is 41 years old at the premiere of this show, <laughs> which means each of your hosts are older than Fraser Crane at the start of this. And he mm. felt so old to me when yeah. I was watching it. I don't know about you guys, but he was just like well, this he, old he guy. He does have the affectation of a different century. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's that's part of what makes it great. Oh. Uh, I had wanted He's to... also a psychiatrist created in 1984. So he has <laughs> super old-fashioned views of psychiatry yeah. at the time. Have you tried <laughs> not masturbating? have you tried not oh no it's not masturbating it's self-abuse i I thought i thought he had a record for playing the same character for a long time so i was just i just had it in my notes i really want all the always sunny cast to beat his ass but it wouldn't matter in terms of episodes they are always sunny is nowhere it made eight episodes in the last two two seasons they are Mm. nowhere close to defeating how long and often and enduring Fraser Crane, uh, Kelsey Grammer has played this character and he has another character he's been playing for 20 years. What the fuck? 30 years. <laughs> okay, I'm looking at the longest character list and it's all uh, soap operas. That, yes. Uh, yeah. In a comedy, and I should then, specify. finally at the top of the list, you get Peter Falk as Columbo. True, but right. not consecutively. He was off the air for years at a time. And then you get the South Park guys. Ah. Whoa. Oh, didn't even think of them. And the Simpson people. And then you get Kelsey. I love right. how the Simpsons shits on every television record that's ever existed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember for five years, it kept being brought up in conversation with the Flintstones. Now no one even thinks of it. Then it gets brought up with Gunsmoke as the longest run. Now no one talks about Gunsmoke for any reason. Simpsons... No will kill everything. It's wonderful. Frasier, very recommended. We're not even done with the yep. kids. Sh- oh, kid shows. Uh, 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 lightning round, but really good one. Rocco's Modern Life debuts on Nickelodeon, a show I love. And I didn't have a way to express that love when I was uh, this age, but that it looked like a Dr. Seuss book and there had been no cartoon to do that yet. Uh, hmm. But it's also really funny. And of all the shows from my childhood, sneaks in the filthiest, dirtiest adult references you <laughs> They go to it. Literally, a, the only clip I know of Rocker's, Rocco's Modern Life is him being on the phone going, oh, oh, baby, oh, baby, oh, baby, oh, baby. Oh, baby. <laughs> what about the international, like the annual jacking competition that they go to? Because <laughs> it, it, it gets, 
anyway, um, but it, it was also yeah. um, let's not forget it's been two years since the first three Nicktoons debuted. There was never a promise of more. And this kind of made that into an annual event. I mean, at least for me, there will be a new weird looking cartoon that's unlike anything you've seen on any other channel every year from Nickelodeon after this. Uh, Biker Mice from Mars is a cynical show that debuts, <laughs> debuts in syndication that I don't care about even a little. Uh, what is the most successful TMNT ripoff? Because it ain't this one. I, it's not mm. fair, but the naming convention of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers was taking a stab at that. That's not, but no, it's not the same no, thing. I don't count that. No, no I, I agree. It thing. shouldn't count at all. It's a different format. Why is TMT, TMNT still such a huge juggernaut? Why is that still around? Is it just because they were first? Um, or is it I, that I, much better of a concept than biker? I, I could not tell you in terms of quality of the cartoons themselves, because if I love the Ninja Turtles, I have, Depictions of them all over my house, they make me happy constantly. Read a Ninja Turtles comic recently. You have to be a maniac to go back and enjoy those <laughs> those <laughs> cartoons. They are, are like broadly terrible and just disposable. Some of them contain action figures that I still adore, but I can't watch it. So no, I can't say it's any better or worse than Tattooed Teenage Alien Fighters from Beverly Hills. I know that's a live action Power Rangers ripoff. It's just a funny name. Uh, but Biker Mice from Mars is stupid. And I think has is getting resurrected somehow. I think there was a new game that came out for it. Uh, Exo Squad debuts in syndications. Big shrug for me. Um, uh, basically trying to be Mobile Suit Gundam. Mm. Ah. City Kids uh, debuts. So oh, the director. Sorry, real quick. The director said idea. that <laughs> he was trying to make this the European theater, whereas Gundam is uh, the Pacific theater. I'm sure kids everywhere appreciated that so much <laughs> but mom it's the pacific the uh city kids debuts on abc yeah it's a charity it seems like it was it, it was uh you know aimed at older kids kind of like say by the bell was trying to take them on uh yeah crow debuts on abc not an mst spinoff sadly uh and Cave Boy uses engineering and physics to solve everyday problems. As we teased uh, last week, Sonic the Hedgehog debuts on ABC on Saturday mornings, distinct from its daily comedy show being a more action drama show, but having the same cast, or at least Jaleel White as as, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. The debut of Sally Acorn, which belongs in the debate, I'm like, where did this furry thing come from? Sally Acorn. (laughs) Sally Acorn. Uh, one of my favorite things, phenomenons of this era is kids' cartoons based on things they shouldn't be watching. Tales from the Crypt Keeper debuts on ABC. I can't believe this exists and that it went three seasons. Uh, I, this has good writing. Yeah. It does the best you can at scaring pre-adolescent kids and it kind of like changes the storylines to kind of like fit them you know in the hbo show it was like the moral is uh don't chop up your fiance for insurance money uh, <laughs> and, and here it's they have like kids torturing ants so they get shrunk down to the size of ants to learn that was wrong and and, and to be fair from the tales from the crypt property it was only hbo that matured it up and made it un unwatchable for kids like my dad didn't buy me a lot of nerd shit unprovoked but he bought me colorized issues of the ec comics because those were printed and reprinted for kids to enjoy because they were never that gory or or i wouldn't say they weren't scary but yeah i I still love them uh 
the all new Dennis the Menace show debuts on CBS. I don't know why you call it this because it looks very similar to the '86 one that ran forever. But it, because it, of that uh, live action Dennis the Menace. That's true. That's right. That's exactly what it was. And bizarre renaming of Xenozoic Tales: Cadillacs and Dinosaurs debuts on CBS. They had to license the name Cadillac just to change it. Come on, Xenozoic Tales doesn't it's make a, it fly. No, off this shelves? is a much cooler name. Yeah. And if the Too Fast, Too Furious people had any balls, they'd write a check for a hundred grand, get the rights to Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, and yeah. just have that be the title of the next one. Yeah, call it Dodge Challengers and Dinosaurs. It's where they've been to space. They, it's all they have left to do is time travel. Uh, and and one of the weirdest things in Disney history for me happens here. Marsupilami debuts on CBS because of some really weird deal Disney struck struck up, probably in its a period where they were struggling. A popular French comic, but didn't like adapt it. Like you know, Disney made the movie Underdog and Inspector Gadget. They're pretty distinguishable from their originals. Like this just looks like the popular French marsupilami and they started introducing it in Disney adventures and comics slowly until he eventually got a Saturday morning show. But this is not a Disney character, but it is a Disney animated show who looks like a Disney character. He is marsupilami. (laughs) You never, you rarely see Disney license anything. They have a very deep bench to go to and then hard pivot into another debut in syndication. Martha Stewart living debuts. Martha Stewart. Oh, this is the beginning of an empire. God, Wow. Um, goddamn, all through, like, I'm, I'm a crafty person, and all through the 90s and well into the 2000s, everything was, well, I'm not Martha Stewart, I do this cool thing, <laughs> but I, I admire Martha Stewart for becoming, like, a billionaire, uh, I don't admire Martha Stewart because I feel like we can draw a line between her ideas and, like, all of Instagram influencer culture, mm-hmm. yeah. like, People don't have enough time in the day for this, goddammit. Like, I'm no, I can't decorate with festive gourds today. <laughs> I can't power wash and cook dinner and <laughs> pick up the kids and just no, leave me alone. I'm tired of my gracious indoor outdoor living. I, I also like because of everything we know about Martha Stewart, what Diana just I know several cool chicks who I would discover Martha Stewart livings in their nightstand like it were my pornography because <laughs> cool chicks who deny their love and fascination with Martha Stewart. And it, come on, it, it's way more practical <laughs> than, than anything else. Like you learn shit from her. Yeah. No, that's the thing. You totally do. Mm-hmm. You come up with design ideas, recipes, cooking stuff. I mean, it started out with, you know, there was cooking, gardening, decorating, you know, these, and, and there's ideas. The ergonomics, money saving you know, schemes. It's, it's what's not to love. It's it's yep. she's a early TikToker, and then as fast as I can, exactly. I'm moving on because uh, I and this this show runs until 2004. Then she goes to prison and comes right back out and starts over again. It's, it's, she's like the, <gasps> the only celebrity to have gets... gone to prison and have no societal judgment whatsoever. She was arguably more famous when she got out. Yeah, yeah. The woman works all the time, like all the goddamn time. If you look at her schedule, it is insane. She gets about four to five hours of sleep a day. And if you uh, haven't seen it, no. post to this day a remarkable amount of thirst traps that work. Unbelievable, Martha Stewart. Yeah, it's like b- bikini yeah. pictures. Yeah, there's Googling it right now. Pull it up. She's yeah. doing it. Yeah. She still does it. Thirst trap, <laughs> Martha. She's, she started out as a, she was a model when she was younger. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Okay, yeah. Here's one of her wearing a uh, green mountain apron and apparently nothing else. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Martha. And lastly, oh my God, why did I watch this while playing Starfield? Uh, MST3K, The Girl in Lover's Lane. Uh, (laughs) My God. Uh, Why did I research this? This is another one of those joyous, serious films that are now just utterly laughable. That's that's what I had written in, in... there's a ton of stuff in science fiction that can be considered the sci-fi movies of MST and old movies that could be considered laughable or uh, what we would uh, racially insensitive. Um, these delinquent movies have an astounding amount of things that just are horrible to depict. Yep. Now I had, I remember asking question, what the fuck happened in this movie it has like a, a 1950s. Someone is sexually assaulted to death and they had to take it out of the movie. <laughs> And that's our, that's the, I guess the girl in the title. I don't know who the girl in Lover's Lane is because this is about two drifter guys who are idiots and assholes. Our, even our hero threatens to hit women. <laughs> oh, this movie is wall to wall, like discomfort, things you would get arrested for saying and ostracized. These are our heroes in this delinquent movie, The Girl in Lover's Lane. Yeah. Uh, but it had a very important lesson at the end that was Baby JR's first exposure to this concept tom and i have been horribly scarred by the way this movie ended and that means we're filled with rage you guys you you don't you you can write a different ending if you want Uh yeah it's just fiction i mean you don't have to accept the ending they hand you wow okay um um oh oh just a minor change what would happen if the nice restaurant woman lived you think it even occurred to her? <laughs> and instead, Jack Elam is... Uh, Gone. Right. And then Big Stupid and Danny get a grant, and they renovate the cafe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is this is baby JR's first exposure to death of the author. Mm. It really is. <laughs> it's the time when I went, this is fiction. If I want to just imagine a different ending to anything I want, I can. The power! The power! And there's never been more of a need for a remake, so you get in there, start pitching. Yeah. Head cannon. My head cannon is it turned out they were aliens, and the aliens came with the happiness ray. Okay. Okay. And then Prove it didn't happen. Gotta wrap up this <laughs> fucking segment. Jesus. We promised this wouldn't go as long as it did. Star Trek The Next Generation hits the NES. It's the next gen game everyone wanted. No. This is the next game, next gen game no one wanted. Uh, there's no real ending to this game. Like, it's all randomly generated levels. And you fight a Borg cube at one point, which would have been an awesome way to conclude it. It would have been like, yeah, try to build up your starship with all these upgrades so you can fight the Borg. And then you get the Jean-Luc Picard saying, good job. Let's go have a hamburger together. Ha ha ha. Nope. Just continues forever <laughs> in a series of really dull mini games. Uh, well, they didn't know how Picard would end, so they had to leave, leave it hanging. Uh, and Battleship NES is also out. Would you like to play Battleship for a lot more money? And and Nintendo has your answer right here, Uh, featuring all your favorite vitamins, B12, uh, never mind. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula finally arrives on the Nintendo one year late. (laughs) Actually, I think this is the best Bram Stoker's Dracula game there is. It's far better than the Super Nintendo version. It's like Castlevania, except you can jump really, really high. Wow. I'm sold. Uh, and then closing up the segment. How's your accent? <laughs> uh, Westminster Abbey. Uh, <laughs> Abbey. 
All right, closing, closing out the segment with uh, music from September 15th to the 21st, 1993, 30 years ago. Dream Lover by Mariah Carey is still number one. Uh, so is her album, I think, right now. But we have some mm-hmm. new releases, including Houdini by The Melvins, Yes I Am by Melissa Etheridge. Uh, it Ain't What You Wear, It's How You Play It, the second and final album from Another Bad Creation, uh, Balloon Mind State by De La Soul, and In Utero by Nirvana, which is on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Album of All Time list. A lot of last albums in there. Um, yeah, that's yeah, Nirvana's last album, technically, isn't it? Technically, well, technically they have like two and a half or three. I, I really believe there's get. an in utero anthology coming out with like it's got seventy unreleased tracks. And like, can you imagine if you died and then someone dug through your Google Docs and started publishing shit that wasn't ready to go out there? Oh, <laughs> things that Kurt Cobain would be really mad at. Songs he didn't want released. <laughs> mm. uh, and then, yes, so Heart Shaped Box will take us out. But stay right there. we got to go to the underworld in the next segment. Don't move. like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the laser time crew then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time it supports not only this show but all the rest of the laser time network you'll get commentaries play games with the hosts see exclusive videos first and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time speaking of which here's a quick taste my 302010 co-host a new movie in a series incredibly important to both of them in different ways came out i have been waiting to ask you your opinion on Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And you can explain further, but JR, lifelong Indiana Jones fan, Diana, uh, annual tradition uh, with Indiana Absolutely. Jones. Every Christmas. Every Christmas. Raiders of the Lost Ark. But what, how do you feel about the rest of the series? As Comes and goes. Uh, Last Crusade, I think, is fantastic. Mostly because having rewatched it, you know, kind of as an adult realizing, oh, this is just a comedy that happens to have a bunch of action in it. Temple of Doom, basically once they get to the Temple of Doom, the movie's over for me. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. With uh, I believe in a thing called love, just by the darkness off of permission to land. Who could forget yeah. this song? Uh, yes, got tired of it real quick, but I saw them live at a huge show. And man, when the world was obsessed with the darkness, it's a crazy ass show. Um, ah, good old fashioned craziest kick and rock and roll. God damn it! Yeah, I can't believe this wasn't the lead single though. The lead single was "Get Your Hands Off My Woman, Motherfucker," which is really fun. Hmm. Because he sings it in such high falsetto. Get your hands off of my Like I'm not scared of you. <laughs> uh, man, there are a ton of new releases. 20 years ago, September 15th to the 21st. Grand Champ by DMX. Self-titled by the Mavericks. Fatherfucker by Peaches. <laughs> oh, Peaches. 
That's um, so much worse. Because, <laughs> you know, if, if you call someone a motherfucker, 99.999% of the time, you are not literally saying, I bet you have intercourse with your mother. But somehow, yeah, the from, reverse. From peaches. Yeah. It sounds like she's bragging. <laughs> um, the Eyes of Alice Cooper by Alice Cooper is also out this week, as is Dark Chords on a Big Guitar by Joan Baez. Absolution by Muse. I saw them at the same venue I saw The Darkness. Remember when I used to do things? Uh, Worldwide Underground by Erica Badu. Uh, War All the Time by Thursday. Vaudeville Villain by MF Doom. 13th Step by, uh, 13th Step by A Perfect Circle. Circle. The Soul Sessions, the debut of Joss Stone. Me and My Brother by the Ying Yang Twins. In Reverie by Saves the Day. Identity Crisis by Shelby Lynn. Deliverance by Bubba Sparks. Reality by David Bowie. And Before it, before Everything and After by MXPX. That is a staggering amount of dead people in there, just for our music segments. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. September, MFU, late DMX. September is very big for music. The next couple weeks are going to be like, oh, it's a wall of text. Um, Shake, Shake a Tail Feather by Nelly, P. Diddy, and Murphy Lee is still number one. Uh, a little bit of news bringing you the wonderful world of 20 years ago. I just wanted to tease this with another merger. The most hilarious merger that ever happened. Two titans of industry. AOL. T- My dad asked me yesterday, like, what's with this Warner Brothers Discovery stuff? And what happened to Turner? I'm like, oh, father. That was like <laughs> that was like 80, 80 mergers ago, back when they still had magazine titles in the Warner name. Uh AOL Time Warner, it's, you see it still on movie logos when you watch um, movies from like the mid '90s. They they drop the AOL. What a horrifying purchase! And how well they thought of it. They put it first. This will be bigger than Time Warner ever, ever will be. This America Online. So oh, yes, my God. they drop the AOL. LOL. Uh, also in the news, David Heppelman. For, for the at- record, mm-hmm. that is still one of the largest mergers yeah. in. All of American history. It was equal when they did it. It was. It was. They were close to equals as companies. I think with favoring AOL, they were. They were worth more. Yeah, staggering. Mm. And then um, also the news: David Hebelman Adams becomes the first person to cross the Atlantic Ocean in an open air wicker basket hot air balloon, or the first time they reported it. I did it a bunch of times. And I, I clearly saw a movie with David Niven and Content Floss, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they did it. I, I looked up this guy. He's spent the last 20 years doing other crazy shit. He's just one of these guys who read National Geographic when he was young and probably has some sort of sexual fetish to adventure. I can't describe it otherwise because <laughs> who does he come up with some crazy ass things on how can I risk my life this time? <laughs> Um, and then lastly in the news, Megan Mullally and Nick Offerman marry. They are still together. Y'all. Not, yeah, not to, who doesn't love that duo? And I don't, they star in so many of the same things together. It's like hard to not think of them as a couple. I only recently, this is going to sound mean, but I love Megan Mullally. I didn't, I had no idea there was any age difference between them until somewhat recently. I'm like, is Megan Mullally older than Nick Offerman? Like, Significantly, I had no idea. <laughs> and they, yes. yeah, she just likes improv comedy that much. Uh, yeah, and so they can go out on their tour of Summer of '69, No Apostrophe. One of the greatest special <laughs> titles of all time, Summer That's of '69, so No Apostrophe. Uh, <laughs> and then, speaking of comedy, let's get into the movies because right here is one of my favorite movies of the year. And I, and that's what I a giant feel asterisk. like a dick because I. 
I apparently heard the wrong thing about this movie. I, by reputation, I had heard that the stars disowned it and no one liked it. And then I look it up when I'm out of time to actually watch it and I see, oh no, people do quite enjoy this movie. That's, I'm a dick. That's what I hate about this. So the movie is Run, Ronnie, Run with David Cross, Bob Odenkirk, Nikki Cox, and Arlie Ermey and a billion other cameos. A uh, trillion people. Uh, I, well, names few in a little bit. Uh, the Mr. Show movie finally hits home video. It was yeah. done two years ago. It screened at some festival circuits. I went online every day looking for information about this. I remember... I found a torrent of a leaked, very pirated work print a year before this, and it <laughs> surfaced the day before the first, my, like my first day of the semester, and I was fucking like hung over from comedy watching Kazaa get my finally able to see Run Ronnie Run, massively delayed. And for comedy nerds, sorry, I was, the, the plot. If you didn't see Mister Show, is about Ronnie Dobbs who through this uh, through he becomes famous on cops as and becomes the most arrested man <laughs> in reality television and becomes hugely famous gets his own show it's one of those movies but from the rated r and from the mr show guys the, mr show being the greatest sketch comedy that's ever existed so that, yeah I, throw it out for, there. It, I would i would give it has potential of that yes yes uh, where, where are you going monty python I'll and give, kids in the hall because i won't five. Well, it is a thousand percent top five. I'll give it that one. Okay. Mr. Show. Wanted to see this movie for years. Yeah. Delayed. Comes out two years later in home video. Fucking horrible. And for comedy nerds who were following it, I think it became very frustrating for Bob and David to have to keep answering questions about a movie they not only couldn't control its release, their longtime director kicked them out of the editing room. He, they, they claim he saw it as this big break into making more Hollywood movies and kind of took away control of the movie they had spent years writing and preparing and it's one of the few movies where you see that the writers disown the movie the writers and stars disown the movie eventually i think they've come around to it and that from the comedy nerd perspective whenever you mention it's it's received with a groan oh and i was shocked by how many mr show fans i know who have not seen this movie because the people who make mr show tell you not to and to that i say this is the funniest movie of 2003 it's it 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 <laughs> I maybe had a little bit of a different bar for what I wanted the Mr. Show movie to be because I like sketch. Some of the magic of sketch can't be contained in a 90-minute movie narrative. That's has to, There's no improvisation or audience response or any of that great stuff that comes from live sketch comedy you can you do in a movie. But this movie is excellent. And this cut they, they particularly disowned. I think it's great. I didn't find it streaming except it, no one cares about it so much. It's all on YouTube. All of it has been for years, uh, but a very funny movie that was pretty dated by the time it came out because it treated Survivor like the biggest thing in the universe. You have a bunch of fighting reality shows and uh, you can clearly see a lot of plot lines get cut and rejiggered around, but some fantastic sequence. I wanted to give a little example of the dialogue because it has a section you've seen in other movies where a character is perceived of gay because of how they talk. But I think Mr. This is kind of a lame joke but because of the Mr. Show guys the dialogue is far more clever British guy wants to sign Ronnie Dobbs to a Hollywood contract Ronnie Dobbs thinks he might be gay hey you ain't a cop my name is Terry and I'm from Hollywood Ronnie you are not like other men you've got something something special and I want it badly huh? 
I want to be the man behind the man. <laughs> I realize I'm coming all over you here, but it's been building up inside of me for weeks, and I can't control myself. Listen, sir. Let me show you what you've got inside of you. What could be inside of you if you just give me the tiniest hole of opportunity? We can go back to your place right now, and I'll pack your shit. Help, please! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, there are not a lot of clips on this online. It's it's strange that it has so few fans, but I encourage any Mr. Show fan to get off of your fucking high horse and go check out this movie. Really, Scott Thompson plays a, a figure of the gay, the international gay conspiracy, which is headed up by Patrick Warburton. Great Jeff Goldblum <laughs> cameo. Jack Black sings a Mary Poppins esque song called "Kicker and the Cunt." Uh, <laughs> there's too much to love. I love so Can much you about this a few movie. bars from that, Chris. Just give her a kick in the cunt. Just a kick in the cunt. Uh, yeah, I, I know the song. It's, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's fantastic. And uh, Trey Parker, Matt Stone, Jeff Goldblum, bunch of great cameos in it. Man, you got to see it. Uh, moving on to something I couldn't stop rolling my eyes while watching. Another Woody Allen movie. <laughs> JR, I hope you didn't get to it. Um, I did not. Good. I was like, ah. let's increase my Woody Allen films watched by 25%. Just couldn't Because this is one of those weird movies couldn't where he... could it anywhere, to be fair. Oh, it's uh, it was on like Tubi or something. Um, but it was hard, difficult not to search real. For. You just made up that uh, I did not make up Tubi, friend. <laughs> they had a great Super Bowl commercial last year. Uh, Woody Allen's Anything Else which is a fucking Woody Allen-ass Woody Allen movie, but he casts Jason Biggs as his character, but also casts himself as his own protege. Like, what? Right. this is like the fourth to last thing Woody Allen would ever be in. And like the third, the third last performance in any of his movies. But I think his last super significant role in one of his films. And it's yep. so eye-rolly to have Jason Biggs and Christina Ricci talking like Woody Allen characters. Oh, all I listen to is Billie Holiday and read poems. That's no, you're obsessed with that old shit. There's no human, no human Gen X couple refers to their sex as lovemaking. It's the di- it's just it's so awkward. But Christina Ricci has never been more beautiful. Um, yeah, this this is one of those that really splits everyone down the middle of like people being like, you know, it's it's nice that Jason Biggs is a pretty good Woody Allen surrogate. He's tried a bunch throughout the years and some of them are He does a really, really good job. Jason Biggs. And it's like he, he can do nervous and nebbishy and neurotic. Sure, the three ends, perfect. But also, yeah, the idea that it's like, does Woody Allen know the single fucking thing about younger people Nothing. and how they feel? No. Some people think that this is, you know, kind of like a bad teen comedy that's been elevated. And some people, you know, some people really like it. They think this is this is a, a better of the minor Woody Allen works, and some people are just like, "Make it stop!" It, it's him. It's just recycled bits from other movies. It, it's him writing one of his seventies or eighties movies today, okay. as in twenty years ago. Okay. I don't know. It, it, it's it's not unwatchable. Just don't recommend you watch it. I had a couple. The dude can still write some funny dialogue, and he doesn't perv over a little girl. That always helps. That's nice. He does nothing but tell Jason Biggs to leave Christina Ricci. She's cheating on you. I just know it. Uh, Up next, Juliette Lewis, Stephen Dorth, Sharon Stone, and Dennis Quad Quaid uh, in Cold Creek Manor. Ugh. 
Uh, yeah, I was. Is this the last the blank from hell? Because oh. this is the weirdest the blank from hell ever. This is <laughs> the person you bought your house from from hell. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you already bought the house from this good dude, and then you're gonna let him stick around and start doing chores around the house you bought from him how much control this is another one of those things where i'm just like you know i sometimes wonder if i don't trust strangers enough but never had the person i bought my house from start stalking me because i let him hang out at the house i bought from him yeah most people who you buy a house from won't return your phone calls (laughs) yeah like i forward them their mail and uh I curse them whenever I find something they fixed badly. Oh, Indian That's... burial ground. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't even move. The... Ah, they didn't even move the gravestones this time. I just I keep finding gravestones under my house. And... Yeah, Cold Creek Manor, every review is like, this is just cliche after cliche and no one cares. What, Diana, you keep finding gravestones? That was a joke. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Because the line from Poltergeist is, "You only move the gravestones. You didn't move the bodies. Like they didn't even bother moving the gravestones in my house. They're just in the walls, uh, man." Uh, I missed it. Damn it. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then your praise of Into the West reminded me of Secondhand Lions, um, a, a charming movie, not necessarily for kids, but kid appropriate, with Haley Joel Osment, uh, who is a kid abandoned by his mother and has to go lives with his bumpkin ass uncles in uh, who are Robert Duvall and Michael Caine. Who is going right. to argue with that cast? Yeah, I mean, I I watched this back in the day. I didn't have time to rewatch it, and my feeling was just sort of like, I'm not sure why this exists, but I can hang out with bumpkin ass Robert Duvall and Michael Caine. Yeah, yeah, that makes me happy. I, I enjoy that. I think I've watched it one and a half. I own it on DVD for some reason, and uh, have watched it. One- Don't wince at me like that. It was the roaring two thousands where most men were required to spend eighty percent of their income on DVDs. Right, or it's like. Yeah, it's fine, and it's it's nice to see Haley Joel is starting to you know move into teenagery times and and try to keep up, and then he just kind of gives up and just starts doing wacky comedy shit, and I appreciate him a lot. Uh, and then, but yeah, it's fine, it's cute, uh, whatever. The kind of same thing with the next one too. It was like it's fine. Yeah, a little harder pivot into something for the youngs. Um, you got Nikki Reed, Holly Hunter, and Ra- Evan Rachel Wood in thirteen. Oh no, you skip one. Well, I, no, I, you skip one. Oh, I did. Another Sorry, one. That, yes, it's uh, fine. Uh, but let's pretend let's uh, 13. Give, I'll go back. Oh, no. Okay. Well, uh, I want to talk about the lighter. The other right, right, lighter geez. is fine first. <laughs> a lot of editing. Fighting Temptations. Fighting Cuba Gooding Jr. is a corporate liar who lies and lives in the big city. Then he has to go back to his hometown and he's got to make the choir a lot better. How is he going to do this? Oh, look, Beyonce. There you go. Ooh. Is it fine? It's completely fine. It's got good singing, good music. Beyonce, of course, is charming as hell. It's cute, but... I mean, you you know, like pretty much every scene before it happens, but does it do it well? Yes. See, I would have given this movie so much more props if Beyonce had proven to be just like a horrible singer, like <laughs> cannot carry a tune in the bucket. She gets up to save the choir, and then you know this scratching alley cat yell comes out of her mouth, <laughs> and everyone just looks around nervously. Actress, um, and Cuba Gooding great. Jr. has become like if I see him in something post Jerry Maguire, like. No, <laughs> this must be bad. Why is Cuba Gooding Jr. in this? People versus O.J. Simpson. He rocked that. Was that was very, yeah. very good. It, it was really good. Yeah. So, I mean, Fighting Temptations is like, it's a, it's a rom-com with a lot of music in it. And uh, yeah, it's it's perfectly fine. It's a, you know, hungover on a Sunday morning kind of movie. It was, I, I no real problems with it. It's fine. 
Yeah, uh, a movie people did have some problems with. Yes, a different take on the youths, the youngs. Uh, Nikki Reed, Holly Hunter, Evan Rachel Wood in 13. Yes. Co-written by Nikki Reed, who's like 14 or 15. And uh, based on some of her experiences. JR, being a parent, I'm sure you have opinions. turns 13 in two days. Oh, God. Have we been doing this that long? I thought she was like four. (laughs) So thank you for traumatizing me by watching this film. It is, hey, kids, do you want to know why your parents were very, very concerned about who you were friends with? Watch this film, Mm. okay? This film, it shows how 13-year-olds do not have cost, benefit, reward centers of their brain working pop properly they don't it is just like utterly messed up uh they literally don't understand risk as well as a 10 year old or as well as a 20 year old that part of their brain is just being rewired during this transition period and it's not functioning very well and it's utterly possible for you to fuck up the rest of your life at 13 oh yeah yeah this movie is a coming of age story about a girl who is going down a very very bad path she's not you know it but it's never melodramatic hallmark movie they thread the needle so perfectly of this is something that really happens to some 13 year old girls and you can see how she's going down the path while never being like sanctimonious pearl clutching about it it's just mm-hmm. like you are watching a train wreck happen and we all know train wrecks do sometimes occur that is a thing yeah I I was uh, honestly really impressed by this because I was expecting a bit more again like edge lordy sort of thing like they're they're going to do ridiculously horrible things and it's going to freak you out because they're so young that's the whole movie and instead so much of it is about peer pressure without ever giving us a lecture about peer pressure you just like you're lonely you're awkward at, at 30 you don't know who you are and you just kind of go along with other people even when they're dicks to you like she she gets bullied by the people she ends up hanging out with and doing sex and drugs and crimes right but if you watch her descent she sometimes is the pusher and sometimes Mm -hmm. she's the pushy which is completely accurate no one is ever just like oh a hundred percent passive and a hundred percent uh uh reactive no this person uh takes an active amount of agency which is Mm -hmm. what i think pushes it to a completely different level yep so yeah a directorial debut of Catherine hardwick this is she got the twilight movies off of this Mm -hmm. at least that first one and set the tone for those because it's the idea that she could understand teenagers. Those teenagers don't act like fucking teenagers. These ones do. This this is giving me every now and then like little flashbacks of like, oh god, I hated eighth grade so fucking bad. Mm-hmm. And I did dumb shit and I hung out with dumb people. I just yeah. And some of those people are dead now, and some of those people are really way more successful than me. You you never know. You never know. Life is a series of probabilities. There is no way you can ever predict what someone is going to be like at 13 but you can certainly see that their odds are decreasing or increasing well, i think and that's but I, I think you wince a little more on behalf of the little girls out there because the big one the baby aspect like that that is like not ruinous necessarily but like that will completely alter your life for the rest of your life 
at, and that can occur at 13. you got to be worried. Yeah, but, mm-hmm. you know, you're absolutely right. But there's also, oh, he broke his spine at 13 yeah. because he was doing tricks because he was bored. Yeah. Yeah. Had a, had, had yeah. a friend go just, like that. Yeah, I feel for Holly Hunter, you know, as the mom in this of like, there is nothing she can say and nothing she can do. She tries reaching out. She tries. To, yeah, you will not be heard by a 13-year-old parent. Mm-hmm. Sorry, JR. They're not going to hear you the same way. It's... Okay, but what if I give a really long lecture? Yes, the kids yeah, love lectures. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um... Yeah. Oh, and also try to say that you know what they're going through. Mm-hmm. That worked really well with me when I was a teenager, when I could hear from my parents. Oh, yeah. No, I know exactly how you feel. Try. Double birds backing out of the room. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, didn't realize you were in for the probably the worst period of your father fatherly life coming now that's here's the thing here's the here's the silver lining uh a lot of people th- have a lot of things to say about social media and screen time there's a lot it's a lot harder to be bored as a, as a kid nowadays than mm. it was for even our generation um, that's a good because I, I i don't mean to like pigeonhole all kids like a lot of the teenagers i've seen i never see them go to friends houses or friends come over they spend all every waking moment with their friends at school and through apps and games like they're always socializing uh but i just don't see them going anywhere physically it's true. it is harder to get up to shenanigans because there's always something else to do mm-hmm. compared to when i was a kid and, and we, there's we nothing used to, to have do. a mall to go to where we could do, do things yeah. and be ignored and kids don't even have that so like i don't know if it's better but it's different and i imagine kind of safer because oh getting given yeah. giving a kid a license i don't even want to think about it like yeah, I'm, my- I'm still crossing my fingers that self-driving cars <laughs> are going to be uh, fully along in three years. It's possible. <laughs> It'd be mm. like giving my cat but, fireworks. I don't have an equivalent in my life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this film is an R, and it's a fairly heavy R, and it's yeah. utterly pass- possible to have a film about the- 13-year-olds that 13-year-olds probably shouldn't see. And- oh, no. What's really funny no, about it? I don't think it's for them. Please no. look up the poster or DVD cover because it looks like me and my mom sticking our tongues out. <laughs> Meh. Holy shit. Did a bu- I bet a bunch of people were very surprised by what this movie contained. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it looks like false yeah. advertisement. Yeah. And then. Uh, this is true. Let's move on and to then, the actual. The big, su- big surprise hit. Massive. Like one of the most unpredictable box office successes i think this doesn't even have like american funding it, it, it has nope. no weight behind it i just learned today by directed by the guy who did the miniatures in mst3k's quest of the delta knights um, <laughs> 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 billy nye uh erwin letter shane broler michael sheen scott speedman that's not a real name kate beckinsale it's number one of the box office people it because it is underworld he made me a vampire, a death dealer. What? He gave me the strength to avenge my family. Since then, I've never looked back. Pew, pew, jump, jump. Fight, fight. Nature pew and stuff. Uh... Very, very matrixy. We cannot mention this movie without mentioning the most famous shot at it, where Kate takes out her pistols, bad guys are approaching her, and instead of, you know, shooting the bad guys with her pistols, 
She instead shoots the floor in a spinning circle until yeah. the floor collapses and she falls and escapes. But you also have to factor in she's doing that with two handguns who I believe have maybe a nine-round clip, but she fires <laughs> 400,000 shots from these two handguns while never yeah. reloading into the floor, which I wouldn't complain about because who gives a shit? Then they go into the science of their bullets in the movie. But this yep. has silver in it, so it sucks into the werewolves' blood. Like, right. you did, and the you werewolves not are, this. I don't know, 20 feet away, and man, <laughs> it takes them a long time to cover that. <laughs> um, <laughs> this movie is so silly, but all right, five-film franchise. Yeah. yeah. Made for pretty cheap. $20 million dollar movie that goes on to gross over 100 in America, uh, let alone oh, what the, the franchise will end up moving. I don't know. You're a feminist, Diana. Tell me how this movie starring a bunch of chiseled cornball actors and dyed blue. Uh, why, this is <laughs> this, this to me is not only a Matrix ripoff. Yeah, it's it's what the uh, the Oracle described in the in that scene in Reloaded. Like, yeah, vampires, ghosts, werewolves, they're all glitches in the Matrix. It is like a deleted scene. I almost wish they could have called it like Animatrix Part 2 or something like that. I may have liked it more. Yeah. Oh, I I would love to get into a a long and drawn out conversation of which action series starring a woman directed by her husband, husband. is better, Ugh. this versus Resident Evil, because I think I might like this one this, more. It, it, it is very, very technically this. Because yeah. while there's no substance well, this- to, to Wiseman's style, like he's... Dude, Anderson is an idiot and, and like makes basic film errors like constantly in his major Hollywood movies. Yeah. Well, this one has an oeuvre. OK, right. this is going after a very, very specific vibe. OK, uh, if you ever played Vampire the Masquerade, this is Thank basically uh, someone played a lot of that and then yep. went, let's make a movie out of this. Now, I've yep. I've gone to a couple of conventions and bunch of hot goth girls role-playing as vampires. Okay, I guess I'll join up on this uh, Vampire the Masquerade thing. Reluctant. And uh, they were giving out free cigarettes what? to the role-players. It was like some promotional what? thing for a new brand of cigarettes. And I had never smoked in my entire life because of asthma. Mm-hmm. And I told the guy, well, I don't smoke, but I'll try this for role-playing aspects. And he got this look on his face like... I'm giving crack to a baby. I do not feel comfortable doing this. Uh, and then I smoked a couple, and I was like, wow, this is addicting. I'm never going to do this again. And I went like two days of wanting one, and then I never did it again. Wow. But it's such a frame of mind to play Vampire the Masquerade that this movie, I got to think they played it. I 100% They were sued. They got yeah, they got sued. <laughs> they were sued by the company. And, yeah, and they're right because this I, I will say Vampire the Masquerade, the role-playing game is the first time I had heard of vampires and werewolves being mortal enemies. And thinking, "Oh, I guess that kind of makes sense because they're both like night creatures and if they bite you, you turn and sure, they're eating one's the same fancier stuff. and yeah, okay, they're, if, they're both going you, after the same prey. If you had to be one you, you got to be one. Would you rather be a vampire or a werewolf? I mean, vampire. yeah, vampire. <laughs> I, I do like the idea of like the werewolf is you're just the Hulk, like a, a miniature version of the Hulk. That'd yeah. be pretty cool. Like too. one night a month, I guess that's not so bad. Yeah. I'm already used to monthly bloodshed in my house. So Look, I'm going to have to <laughs> find you for that kind of sexist humor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
Everyone watch Ginger Snaps. Anyway, instead of um, instead of the, I, 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 I really ha- instead of this, that has a lot more gore in it. I hated does. this movie when I saw it, and I saw it mm-hmm. rewatched it now, and I don't hate it as much. But I also like this isn't very good. It, no, it's it's very you know basic ass B movie kind of stuff, you know, and then they come up with contrived reasons for there to be action. The action is, yes, very matrixy and over the top. They want everything to look cool, even if it doesn't make any sense. Yes. You know, the plot is, yeah, Kate Beckinsale is uh, a vampire whose job is to kill werewolves. There aren't that many werewolves left. And all of a sudden they're going after Scott Speedman. And she's like, well, what's that about? It turns out conspiracy with uh, vampire elders and some other crap. Yeah, I think yeah. my favorite thing about this is they live in, it seems to be Prague in like a big fancy mansion full of vampires. And it's like, None of the other vampires have jobs. Like, there's just a bunch of Euro trash standing around in this mansion. Every time she walks in, it's like, I have to talk to Fetsu guy. I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm so mad. And all right, okay. If you've been alive around forever, if you if you've been alive for 500 years and you have not managed to squirrel away enough capital to live off of, you suck. But come on, it's not that I want them to have a job because they need to survive. Because what are they talking about? Yeah, Nothing. What do you? Because they you don't protecting? go anywhere or do anything. They make their being job a vampire is look to boring. Hunt and eat humans. That's their job. <laughs> but that's boring. It's like saying my job is to eat food. I mean, okay, it used to your be. food doesn't have a possibility of having a nine millimeter on it. This is true. Mm. Or being being filled with COVID. But mm. <laughs> but yeah. I, how about this? Can we at least tip our hat to Billy Nye? His his like. Oh yeah. His commitment to this, I have to imagine, is what scores him the role in the next Pirates movie. Well, let's let's hear his commitment to his accent before you make that statement. <laughs> I was talking more about the makeup, but sure. You know why I have been awakened, servant? I'll soon find out. You must let her come to me. We have much to discuss, Selina and I. This is worse than that. <laughs> oh, Mark. Uh, I love uh, that guy. He's he's always my favorite yeah. in everything he's in. Yeah, Billy and I will show up for anything and just total commitment. Yeah, and it's the same with Michael Sheen. He's just chewing scenery I didn't here. even and then, like, he... recognize him for a while. Yeah, then he gets to be the star of a prequel where he gets slightly mm-hmm. jacked and has long hair. And it's like, this is enchanting but wrong. No, Michael Sheen. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about this. It sucks to say this is chrono- chronologically the second Underworld movie, but for yeah. our eyes, it's the first. Yeah, but all right. You, you want, yeah, fancy Euro trash vampires f- fighting uh, monster guys with some sort of conspiracy. And, and there's some lore and there's stuff about like some of the vampires go go take a nap for a couple hundred years and then you, then you wake them up and who's in charge of the vampires and blah, blah, blah. Sure, whatever. But uh, I appreciate this does have a chosen one in that like, oh, there's a special guy with a special bloodline. Uh, and his answer to everything is, I don't want any of this. Please let me go home. Yeah, this he doesn't rise to the occasion. <laughs> I don't want to like, watch no, any wanna. more of these. And I'm heartbroken to find out that there's like three more in our in our time together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, as we always say, it's fine. How do you this should be remade like they should remake like vampires versus werewolves is a perfectly fine basis for a franchise and i just don't like this director at all well the big problem is we never get to know these people as characters Mm -hmm. there's no like avengers moment where they're just chilling around and we get to know who are these people this is a test i like to do on various uh genre films describe 
any of these characters without saying what they look like or their job. I like that I saw one reviewer describe the whole thing as a 90-minute cologne commercial. (laughs) 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 But yeah, Yeah. that's how it comes off. But back in 2003, superhero movies were not as common. And really, when you think about it, vampire versus werewolf, that's kind of a type of superhero battle. So I was legit excited for this. But the movie itself was just meh uh, at the time. And I rewatched the extended version for this episode. Does not add anything at Mm. all. Absolutely no reason to watch this movie. And, you know, at the end of the day, this movie never gives us a good reason for why we should care who wins this fight when Mm. both sides eat us for food. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. Underworld. Uh, just, Look just... forward to four more. Uh, let's move on to television. 2003, September 15th through the 21st. Oh, some, not as many debuts, but I'm already sighing because I remember some of these. Let's talk about the sitcoms first. Eve debuts on EP, UPN. Um, that is Eve the uh, musician, right? Yeah. 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 It was uh, started as a vehicle for her. There's two male friends, two female friends. Friends is still on at this time. Guess where they got their inspiration? Uh, <laughs> Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Uh, uh, Rock Me Baby debuts on UPN. I should say at this point, uh, I live in a town with no access to UPN, so I couldn't see these things even if I wanted to, and they don't have enough of a fan base to stream. Uh, Rock Me Baby uh, debuts uh, on UPN. A Denver DJ uh, and his wife and baby. I'm out. Um, I, yeah. hope he, I hope he likes losing his job every four months because of a format change and going town to town. Uh, all of us. Hope also, you speak Spanish, buddy. <laughs> all of us debuts on, 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 on UPN as well. All of so us. So this was based on the blended family of Jada Smith and Will Smith. But... I looked really hard, guys, and I couldn't find any episodes where the wife cuckolds her husband in it. Uh, so I don't know. I looked it up, and I couldn't find any information on Will and Jada Pinkett Smith. Uh, like, like family uh, like, debuts on the WB, a channel I also didn't have. And then uh, uh, all let's I see. Oh, Holly Robinson, Pete, and Kevin Michael Richardson. I like those people. I mean, that's not a. It's not exactly a recipe for a good sitcom as indicated by one of my favorite people in the world and one of the worst shows I've ever seen, Louie, the guy who comes in and says his catchphrase over and over again, debuts on Fox, even though it's not Louis from the States, Luis Guzman, just a wonderful character actor. Just, it, it felt bad. Like, I felt bad for him watching this. It's like, oh man, your job's a dad? You should be some like greasy dirtbag or a porn <laughs> guy in the porn <laughs> industry. I don't want to see this from Luis Guzman. Um, sure, he enjoyed the paycheck, but it, I, I love the marketing for it. Louie, up next. Not with Louis C.K. Uh, no, but it did have Charlie Day on Adam's it. Mm-hmm. What? It did have Charlie Day on it. Mm-hmm. How was he in that new Adams Family TV show? I thought he was good. What? He's, oh, yeah. He's oh, more yeah. like, yeah, he's he's more like the comic strip yeah. Gomez than, than any movie or TV Gomez. And, you know, if, if you're looking forward to seeing those characters, you might not want to watch the show because they are not on it very often. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, next up, a drama. You want to talk Matrix ripoff. In 2003, naming your show Threat Matrix <laughs> seems like false advertisement. <laughs> but ABC did uh, just that. Yeah, yeah. Homeland Security is tracking down terrorists. Cool. Yep. 
And then uh, as for kid shows, what I meant to watch, because it's finally obtainable now, the Lilo and Stitch series debuts on Disney Channel, which I, I believe was conceived kind of as part of the movie. It wasn't like an afterthought. Like, we're just going to keep these characters going. But uh, yeah, I was never able to see it. Uh, but I believe it's streaming on Disney Plus, unless they have to pay the writers. Then, of course, they've taken it down. And <laughs> Clifford's Puppy Days debuts on PBS Kids. It In a different world, I feel like I grew up with, I remember wanting a Clifford show so bad. And by the time it happened, uh, I had pubic hair. And yeah, never got to enjoy any Clifford it, entertainment. This is a prequel. You realize that? Yeah. It's yeah. a prequel it to Clifford the, the Big Red Dog. Oh, no, is he little? About the time when he was not big. Oh. When he's mm. a tiny puppy. Is he at least Marmaduke-sized? Like, no, oh. he's a tiny puppy. Oh, oh what a, He's what the runt of the litter. Oh, it'll just look like a regular, like a pound puppy show with a wrong Korean animation. No, that is dumb. I say no to that. The note, <laughs> make him at least Marmaduke-sized. He got into a lot of trouble. I don't need to tell you. Uh, and then lastly, <laughs> the Emmys of 2003... Hosted by, is it Gary Shandling? I, I, it, uh, no, it's just, it's like a crew of people. Oh, There's yeah, no sorry. He's one, one of the house. presenters or hosts. Yeah. With, along with uh, Alan Generous, Conan O'Brien, Bernie Mac, Dennis Miller, Daryl Hammond, George Lopez. Martin. Yeah, uh, Emmys. Yeah. Everybody Loves Raymond wins for Best Comedy Series. Yeah, it, it cleans up a whole bunch of stuff. And I love, uh, yeah, tying it all together. This is the first time in 10 years now for Frazier to not win a major award. Ah, <laughs> suck it, train. Here's a dumb thing I saw while looking up TV ratings from this week. You know what beat out, beat out Everybody Loves Raymond in the ratings for sitcoms? Whoopi. Mm-hmm. What? Whoopi is fourth of all television shows. And so like, I need to Google this again. It's a hard Google. There's a lot of Whoopi shows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a hard Google. Like, weird. How did the show fall so fast? She must have wanted out. Uh Outstanding drama series, The West Wing, um, shares farewell tour. First of the uh, Daily Show with John Stewart wins an Emmy. This isn't the first time though, is it? I don't um, think so. But Gandolfini and Edie Falco both win for The Sopranos. As is Joey Pants. That's pretty cool. Can you imagine how happy you'd be if you were a television executive and your husband and wife? on your biggest show, both won Emmys, and just all that free publicity of them standing together with statues. You don't even have to mm. manufacture it. Brad Garrett, Doris Roberts, Everybody Loves Raymond, they win for actors. I don't know. Anything else you see that I'm missing out on here? Curb wins. Yeah, um, yeah those are the big ones. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And uh, yeah, let's close it out by talking about some games. Uh, some games. Dino Crisis 3 on Xbox. If you thought... How can you lose with vampires versus werewolves? I've always thought, why isn't the Dino Crisis series bigger? Outside of not being... 9-11. <laughs> I'm not kidding. 9-11 had a major role in the Dino Crisis series. Specifically, this game was set to happen in a crumbling uh, city of America. 9-11 happened, and they threw that all out and started from scratch. And it was kind of rushed because of that and is considered one of the worst in the series. Yeah, maybe, not the last, I guess. But uh, Dungeons & Dragons Heroes is out on Xbox. I know nothing about that. Um, was D&D at its nadir in 2003? Like, in the early 80s, it had that, you know, geek cachet to it. By the early 2000s, you're talking about Dungeons & Dragons, the Jeremy Iron movies. And mm. I feel like this is when it was at least popular. I am 
shocked by how popular D and D is. Dude, now. I am. Like, I am. Sh- I remember being shocked twenty years ago when, like, that's when I saw people starting to play it in public, like in in like Starbucks and shit. And then now, all like many of my friends' kids are open Dungeons and Dragons players. Like, I ra- I would have rather have been like gay than be caught playing Dungeons and Dragons in the eighties. There was such a stink on it, and you and, and like it was used to tease kids who didn't even play Dungeons and Dragons. I'm I'm my son's DM, That's and crazy. all of his friends yeah. are just like overjoyed anytime I can claw time out of my schedule to host a game. That is, they are just no. like so nuts. It's like if your kids' kids like, what are you into? Yeah, I really like this hoop and stick thing. Like uh, it's been around forever, <laughs> but we kind of rediscovered it. Uh, nuts. And then, um, Jesus Christ, this confuses me. Star Wars Jedi Knight colon Jedi Academy, not Dark Forces, but it's, no, that's how we got here. Still considered 20 years after it came out to have the best lightsaber battles, mechanics yeah. in all of Star Wars games. Think about that. Wow. There's been Star Wars games for 40 plus years now. This game, 20 years old, is still considered by people, yeah, if you want to know what it's like to fight with a lightsaber, play this 20-year-old game. I remember my friend had mapped it to his numeric keypad because of all the inputs you could do for the lightsaber. It's like, dude, it was online. I got in a lightsaber battle for like 20 minutes. Just <laughs> like you, it's not a one-and-done slice thing. There's a lot of pair, like real sword fighting. Uh, but I wasn't playing that. Didn't have strong enough PC. But I did have an Xbox as well as a PS2 and a GameCube. So I was playing the best, probably the best Simpsons game ever made, The Simpsons Hit and Run. I uh, we're Tied with the arcade game, just because they're both no, easily... this un- is superior to the arcade game. The arcade game you, is if awesome. You don't ha- if you don't have any nostalgia for the yeah. arcade game, Chris, it does not hold up. Yeah, but what if I don't have any nostalgia for a, like a, a barren GTA clone with good voice acting? It still works. Does this it? is there's, still there's more a... stuff to do than hitting each other with a with a vacuum cleaner. Still mm-hmm. awesome. She has a team up power I mean, move. You're you're shrugging this off, yeah. Diana. Unbelievable. All right, fine. I'm not going to send you there the arcade s- game now. So many collectibles in this game. So many yeah. s- skins. So many cars. You can drive uh, the Homer. Yeah. Oh, so good. And and, uh, and full voice the, acting. That's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, if it, uh, this is one of my favorite Homer Simpson clips, not of video games, but of all time. I have often thought of this clip when I feel like, okay, uh, I don't really want to work today. Maybe I should just goof off. And I think of what Homer says in this clip. That's what you get for expecting me to do the job for which I am paid. I'm a lean, mean speed thingy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, he's driving around Mr. Plow. But the humor is great. They've got a bunch of hidden gags that you can find, like Mm -hmm. obscure stuff. Like if you walk behind Ned Flanders' house, there's the bomb shelter. Mm Mm-hmm. And as you approach it, uh, Rod or Todd will start shouting, stranger danger, stranger danger. I love the um, finding the, the Stonecutter's secret uh, driving tunnel, which is a legitimate shortcut you can use in the game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how canonical its map of uh, Springfield is. But well, it, there is no canonical map of Springfield. I'm, I'm only saying that because uh, uh, the South Park game, they said they had to actually figure that out and and because they made the game they figured out how south park is actually mapped because of it but you know no such thing in this game but it's not necessary to enjoy it no no uh they also had an interesting discussion which i didn't think about until i 
watched a couple making of docs on this game. Cell phones. Mm-hmm. In 2003, the Simpson characters did not have cell phones. Mm. And they were going to have cell phones in the game, and they were told, no, the Simpsons characters don't have that. Can't so afford it. They're middle class with their giant house and single working parent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so instead, they did self uh, uh, pay phones instead of cell phones. And uh, that's cool. a major part of the uh, game is getting to the right cell phone. And one of those uh, payphone, fr- God damn it, frustrating <laughs> licensing things of like everybody's like, why can't we get just this re-released? And the, the, they even asked the Simpsons showrunners like, what's up? Like, we love the game, we'd love to see it re-released. And like, what's the fucking hold up? What's happening? Why can't hmm. people play this game? Uh, uh, but you've still got a fan community. Yeah, twenty years later. Yeah, that's dedication. You know, it's called the Donut Team. And they've been modding this game for 20 years. They've got whole new levels, whole new uh, activities, tons of new cars. It's it's impressive. No, but the voice acting, you miss it. Or you, in this game, you kind of hate it after you play it for like 40 hours. It repeats a lot. Um, mm. I but... don't know. This was the kind of game that, you know, GTA clones in general, or especially like I, I can play them because all I do is just drive around and trash stuff. Yeah. yeah and I don't, don't actually do any missions or follow anything or i could just sit and watch my husband play it and just be like oh what was that over there <gasps> tobacco farm yay <laughs> that's it that's all i needed uh, it, just that's that's the thing it's like uh you know i love the simpsons arcade game i play it through a couple times a year just because it's like a you know free play 30 minutes very enjoyable but yes nostalgic for simpsons fans this is really fun and way more playable mm-hmm. than the game from a few years later uh that ea made so yeah, Simpsons hit and, and there will you. never be another good Simpson game again because Seems the way. Simpsons tapped out takes all the money. It's just dirt simple. Upload a new JPEG. You've got another five million. Why make another game? Yeah, and I don't even think they bother with the original voice acting that they used to do in that game just because it's like it's not going to keep people playing it anyway. Let's close out the segments when with a little DMX. R.I.P. Brother. Uh, where the hood at? That's what, that's what will take us out. But don't move. We got one more segment. Stay right there. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of September 15th through 21st, we got a couple fun things. Um, Let's start with 50 years ago. This week is one of the most fun but also silliest political sideshows that ever happened. The Battle of the Sexes. Bobby Riggs versus Billie Jean King uh, playing tennis at each other. And uh, there have actually been two movies made, so, made about this, and the one from 2017 called Battle of the Sexes with uh, Emma Stone and Steve Carell, really good. Like, I, I enjoyed it. I, I actually thought it was it was really good because previous ones didn't address that uh, Billie Jean King was gay and that she was in the closet, and that was hard for her to deal with. Oh, written by the guy who wrote Full Monty. No kidding. 
so yeah, Battle of the Sexes from 2017, it, it didn't make any money, and I don't know why, because it, it's actually uh, a pretty good movie, and I enjoyed it. So that was 50 years ago this week. Also 50 years ago this week, in 1973, saw the release, such as it is, of a movie called The Spook Who Sat By The Door. This is my homework for the week, because I have heard about this movie so much. It's now in the National Film Registry, but it's very hard to find. I went and looked, because it is hyper-independent outsider art. Eventually, United Artists got their hands on it, and through all those mergers and acquisitions, it, it is not streaming anywhere, except someone put it up on YouTube, looks like a VHS rip. So the spook is sat by the door. The uh, That word there has two meanings. It is a crime drama slash satire about the CIA hires a token black guy and they train him to do CIA stuff and then he turns around and uses that to help black militants and it sounds really interesting and yeah I've always I always heard good things is directed by uh, the one black guy from Hogan's Heroes and has a score by Herbie Hancock so yeah uh, Spook has two meanings in that you know he's a spy and also that's a super old timey slur yeah, that's my homework is to watch it because I've heard it's really good and you should maybe check it out too. And then turn in 70 this week, a movie I actually have seen. I've seen it a couple times and I can't even tell you why. I just enjoy watching it so much. From 1953, Federico Fellini's first great film, If It's Aloni. This is usually the kind of movie I don't like because it's a coming of age film about like a group of guys and like they're aimless 20-somethings and they just sort of hang out. They don't really do anything and there isn't like a huge amount of plot. And usually those kind of movies turn me off of just like, well, if nothing's going to happen, why am I watching this? And yet I am riveted this whole time. And I realized because there's no plot, nothing huge happens. No one, you know, dies or shootouts or aliens or whatever. It's just they're like hanging out being dirtbags, kind of. And you get to learn about their lives through that. And, like, how they feel about women and how they feel about each other and what do they feel like their prospects are. And I finally nailed it down. It's Diner. Do you like Diner? Then you will like Yvitaloni. Because it's kind of the same thing of just guys and they're, like, low level trying to figure their shit out that ends up just being super watchable even if no one's secretly a hitman or whatever. It's just, just chilling, man. And to tie this into more stuff... It's kind of like Age of Innocence in that is a master director doing an incredible job, but they're not doing the things we're used to them seeing them do. This is not a Fellini-esque film. There is no dream logic, really, or strange things happening, or flights of fancy, or the absurd. It's shot very straightforward, but you can tell this guy knows what the fuck he's doing. So, Eva Delone from 1953, and that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming in with a replay by Zendaya. Zendaya is on the charts. I hope you feel old. I feel like I just met her. Ten years ago, 2013, we got Zendaya. Other new music releases include Rewind the Film by Manic, Manic Street Preachers, Loud Like Love by Placebo, Wise Up Ghost by uh, Elvis Costello and The Roots. That like The Roots Roots? Yeah. The album with The Roots? 
Yeah, because okay. I don't follow music. I discover all this stuff doing this show, and I go, oh, my God, I love those guys. I want to listen to them. What the hell? I, yeah. yeah, 10 years too late. Battle Maximus by Guar. Uh, self-titled by MGMT. Anonymous by Stray from the Path. Closer to the Truth by Cher. Bones of What You Believe by Churches. Tattoos by Jason Derulo. Mechanical Bull by Kings of Leon. And The Last Ship by Sting. Roar by Katy Perry is still number one. Uh, a little bit of news that might remind you what happened 10 years ago, September 15th through the 21st. Japan switches off its last working nuclear reactor. Wow. I have to ask, what do they use instead? They are a small country Water. and don't have a lot of space. So the answer is nuclear power. Oh, okay. They reversed this decision. Oh. <laughs> it was done in the heat of Fukushima. And right. afterwards, they were like, uh, you don't want coal plants all over Japan. Yeah, no. and without nuclear power, the Godzilla remake wouldn't make any sense. So good. I'm happy, <laughs> <laughs> happy for this. Uh, movies of 2013, September 15th to the 21st. I feel like my tongue froze. Uh, Diana? Yeah? No, that's the name of the movie. God damn, we're never going to get another Abbott and Costello moment like that. Naomi Watts and David Andrews in what movie? JR? Diana. What? <laughs> it, it's Diana. What? Diana. What, what do, you, do you think about Diana? I'm, uh, I think I'm pretty great. For I mean, it. what do you want? I'm, yeah, that's me. I'm Diana. But I'm... Diana, we want you to talk about Diana. Okay, well, uh, I was born and uh, I learned how to play blues guitar from an old blind man. Then uh, I tried, I did a bunch of drugs and I ripped some sinks out of the wall and in the end, I took the heart of the ocean diamond and I threw it into Mount Doom. Spoiler alert. Okay, cool. So <laughs> the film we're talking about, which is similar to your name, Diana, but is in fact what? a separate film called what? The Name is Diana. Are you trying to tell me that there is another famous person named Diana out there? I know it's crazy, but I yes. don't believe that. I definitely didn't notice everyone start to get my name right around, oh, I don't know, August 31st, 1997, <laughs> because it was in the news so much. Yeah, this should have been a TV movie. Okay, it I is a TV guarantee movie. you they were seeing uh, the movie about Queen Elizabeth was a success, and they were just like, this is kind of a prequel. <laughs> it, it is, and it is a part of the story that hasn't, widely been told I'll, I'll give them that that there was a period where princess diana not me was dating this pakistani heart surgeon who was kind of a normal guy and how weird it is to you know be this you know constantly followed by paparazzi and try to have like a normal date with like a normal guy okay that's fine uh not crazy about this movie because yeah it just it feels like a tv movie not that naomi watts isn't doing a great job she yeah that sounds kind of like diana sure whatever i think a huge complaint that i have is that they bring up that they can't get married because she's not muslim and his family won't accept her but nobody brings up the racism of the royal family or the british public which jesus fucking christ have we seen on display in the last bunch of years oh my god so yeah oh sure no they would just accept that she would go off and marry this Pakistani British guy. And, you know, she's still pretty young, maybe have half siblings of the future king who are brown and Muslim. I'm sure everyone would have been great with that. 
super great. Mm. They never bring that up ever. It's dumb. Yeah, not uh, not not great. But kind of like I was saying with Marilyn Monroe last week, like I should taste do an art installation where I take every movie about Princess Diana and just cut them together chronologically into one giant super movie. <laughs> I think I can get a grant for that. Super boring movie. Yes. Yeah. But, and we'll yeah. do split screens when they both cover the same thing. Yes. Yeah. Is this just, no. Uh-uh. And... At least they don't show the crash. I thought they were totally going to do that. And they don't. Boo. They handle that tastefully. So, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, man, all these movies, Jesus Christ, don't want anything yeah. to do with them. All of them except for the last one. Yeah. Bill Paxton, Lawrence Fishburne, Kevin Zeggers in The Colony. Yeah. Uh. This sounds like I a bad video. Instead of global warming, uh, humanity's reduced to a couple of starving pockets, and things are hellish, and you have to try to survive. Yep. The cannibalism. guys from one colony go to another colony, and it's been eaten by cannibals, and uh, not a single review had anything nice to say about it, said it was just one cliche after another. It sounds like a, sounds like a video game, but not good, and... We don't have a lot of Paxton left. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of sounds like a video game, Dick Figures, the movie. I had to second guess correcting that a thousand times, but it is a real movie. And it looks like it was, it's one of our early kickstarted uh, films. Exactly. It, and, it actually did go to theaters. Yeah. So Th- I got to throw it in. This was the most popular YouTube cartoon the previous year, 2012. I have wow. never heard of it then. And I mean, I've, I've seen the cover of the movie. I just didn't know what it was. And like, you know, a bunch of YouTubers were kind of branching out into VOD stuff. Mm-hmm. I really kind of wish I would have watched this just because like, how does this level of internet humor hold up in a film format this many years later? Reviews are actually pretty good. And I believe you can now just watch it in pieces on YouTube. I mean, that was almost immediate. Like they released it onto YouTube yep. in chunks like almost immediately after the film's release because that's yep. kind of probably where it belongs, you know? I, did, I don't mean to say that like I'm dooming it. I'm, I'm shitting all over this movie I haven't seen. This movie I didn't want to see at all. Chris Brown does not help. Uh, mm-hmm. Katie Lotz, Josh Peck, Laz Alonzo, that's a great name, uh, Josh Holloway in Battle of the Year. I was like, yeah, this sounds real. A dance movie? Fuck! I'm not watching another dance movie for this show. No. All right. So this is a dance movie based on a documentary which is directed by the same guy who did the documentary. That does happen. Party monster mm. people. That's snake eating its own tail a bit. No? <laughs> yeah. It happens. It happens. I mean, do you, I mean, do you trust their verisimilitude because they're not going to Hollywood it up too much because they know the real story? Or do you or not trust them at all? Why would you make this embedded. into a movie if you weren't going to Hollywood it up? And it, yep. it, it also, like, speaking of things that aren't up my alley, I was like, reading some reviews of this and like why are stodgy 60 year old film critics reviewing this dance movie like if you don't (laughs) like dance movies you're not gonna like this movie and like even even for a dance movie the plot is threadbare like i don't think you're here for the right reasons (laughs) uh so i i won't pretend to be able to speak for bad of the year and didn't watch it Um, i mean that's always a question in reviews mm -hmm. are you interacting with the work on the level the work want you to be if you go to professional wrestling and jump up and say they choreographed that (laughs) two weeks ago that guy slapped didn't connect shenanigans yeah 
<laughs> you're not engaging at the work at the intended level, and I'm not sure your criticisms are valid. Yeah, if it's me, Sarah was here, she would scold because she loves these movies, like dance movies, and it all, like yeah. I think I don't know if she said it, but a part of her hates that it requires a plot to string these dance sequences together. It's not really why we're here. Yeah, that that you is can't do it. La La Land did it pretty well, but it has surprisingly few mu- numbers though. Yeah, and it's a mm. musical, not just dance movie like this is a dance battle movie like step up or something where it's like it's the characters are not breaking into musical numbers there we got to make it to regionals they're gonna tear down and build a mini mall over the dance hall exactly they're they're in a competition (laughs) also i'm in love with somebody in the dance troupe wow will it be reciprocated there i wrote the next one but you're from two different worlds (laughs) yeah you like modern dance and i like postmodern dance Uh, (laughs) awful and the, the next movie, I don't know why. I want to blame It's Me, Sarah, as well. I got around to watching Organically a few months ago and was just like, well, this is a modern classic. Why don't I hear this mentioned more and more? And I do hear it a lot now because mm-hmm. yep. there's a nice little societal analogy. And then, and then I also see, like, I didn't, I wasn't even paying attention. Like, who who made this? Dennis Villeneuve, uh, the, 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 currently the default sci-fi guy from a rival... Not Battle Blade Runner, Dune. Holy shit! Yeah, that's yep. why this is this so is fucking his, good. This is his English language debut. Yeah. He's French Canadian. He got a bunch of attention in 2010 mm. with a movie called Incendie, and yeah, finally they decide, oh, this guy who seems to be an immaculate visual stylist, maybe we'll let him make a drama, and and he does completely knocks it out of the park. It's, and now he is a thousand percent a director. It's like I don't even know what the movie is. I will yeah, show up it. for him because I will be visually stunned. And and. Um, Immediately got a cast like a David Dastmalchian. Come on. What name is that? Dastmalchian. You know him. The second you know, you see him, you know him. I know everybody else very well. Terrence Howard, Maria Bello, Viola Davis, uh, Melissa Leo, Paul Dano, Hugh Jackman, and Jake Gyllenhaal in number one of the box office, Prisoners. Somehow. Yeah. Detective Loki, I'm going to find your daughters. Dad, there was this RV and they were playing on it. That RV was reported matching the description. Show me your hands! Well, this thing's clean. Don't okay. talk. Arrest it. He said he took them. Make it stop! The girls are still out there somewhere. Every day, she's wondering why I'm not there. Me, not you, but me! What in the world did you do? Oh my God, it's, this film is like a brutal Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> I just... It's. I, I kept thinking of what it reminds me of. The first season of True Detective without any of the humor. Yeah, yeah I am surprised this made so much money. It's made for about $46 million. It sounds like most people are taking scale. And it, it made three times that. This this was a big success. But this movie is grim. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I, I said something similar about frozen bodies. But there's mm-hmm. still a situation to this I can relate to more because... We all have a tendency to pass judgment and dogpile, and when two girls go missing, hey, it is a creepy guy who looks like a pedophile played by Paul Dano. Well, he's played by Paul Dano. He must be a creep. Yes. And <laughs> just and then and then later we get to hey, there's David Tesso Shelby Shelby and Yeah, he's played by that guy. He must be a creep. And Oh, I don't even know how it's I not like, that they're wrong, but it's not that they're right. Yeah, I don't even know how to like begin to get into this because it still feels like spoilery, but like 
basically like the whole town knows this guy did it even if the cops don't have any evidence why don't we no they don't i know no no they no they don't he he says so yeah the two girls go missing hugh jackman and terrence howard are their dads two girls go missing and they you know they're like well they were around this rv uh, someone was in there and he's a creepy guy and he's played by paul dano so it must be him and there is zero evidence he is involved except that he says a couple times weird things to Hugh Jackman, but nobody else hears it. Mm -hmm. So did Hugh Jackman really hear it? Who was struggling with some weird anger and alcohol issues. Um, Yeah, and just guilt and frustration and and this horrible thing is happening. And yeah, and then um, metaphor time. We're all prisoners, really, in our own (laughs) different ways, but... Yeah, the real metaphor kicks in of like, okay, well, the cops aren't going to do anything about this guy, but I know he did it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to torture him until he tells me. Yeah, and it's just something 10 years earlier, like, that doesn't seem plausible, but a lot of crazy stuff has happened in the last couple of years. And you just mm-hmm. think of like, someone out there thought it necessary to kill Nancy Pelosi, a semi-effective mm-hmm. elected person. Right. Because they knew in their heart of hearts, this person is a lot of shit like that happening. And yeah, like let's vigilante justice in the manner of imprisonment, which is just like a really harsh way to commit judgment. Usually you, you I, like yeah, vigilante killing. I get it. Like, no, it's much more uncomfortable than that. Uh, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, because it is protracted because mm-hmm. this guy is, you know, uh, doesn't seems to be very intelligent, seems to have an awful lot of problems. And we find out as the movie goes on, like, oh, yeah, that would explain those problems. And there are, I found a little frustrating that there are a couple, like, really important details that get tossed off real fast in dialogue of just, oh, by the way, that guy, he was kidnapped once. But now I realize, like, that's kind of the point, is clues in mysteries shouldn't be obvious, Sometimes it isn't just and this piece and this piece and this piece and there you go. That's part of investigating is there'll be a bunch of information around that seems really important. And it turns out that's not important. But this little tiny thing over here was. And then in retrospect, you go like, oh, fuck, that makes sense. But yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that. Shit. Yeah. I I don't want to say anything else about the film just because it's, you know, it's our 10 years ago segment. I didn't catch this until nine and one quarter years in and i'm glad i don't know if you could have it ruined for you it's kind of an uncomfortable meditation on a lot of things but yeah it grim is a good way to describe it uh because they're they're dealing with grief and guilt and yeah frustration and and all the parents are dealing with that in different ways of like i need to do something to bring my daughter back but i don't know what and then jake gyllenhaal is the cop is also trying and getting frustrated because he keeps getting distracted by Hugh Jackman and what the hell is he up to, yeah. you know, with, with the vigilante stuff. It, it's so, so beautifully made. Performances kicked a ton of ass. Everyone is doing really good work here, man. But um, yeah, not a happy feel good time at the movies. I'm really surprised so many people showed up for this. Yeah, the, the performance from Hugh Jackman is similar to the one in Logan where he's constantly dying. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just an emotional death here. Oh, yeah, Prisoners, yeah. Uh, big, big recommend. I couldn't yes. bring myself to watch it again after <laughs> it sort of like, not ruined me, but yeah, it's, it's like, Jesus, that was great. I don't think I can see that for a while. <laughs> uh, but, but Yeah, 
that's fair. The, the is, um, Western, not Western, but a, a nor not even North American. The uh, Hollywood introduction of Denis Villeneuve, like, oh yeah, this yeah. guy's th- this. You feel when I saw the trailer, I'm like, Ugh, Mystic River horse shit. I'm not. I don't want to watch mm. this. Um, and it was much, much, much better than that. Prisoners. Yeah. yeah, I am on board for all of his English language stuff from here on out. Mm-hmm. Sicario, I think, is next. Sicario <laughs> is great. Another one that's like, well, that should just be, you know, kind of a formulaic pot boiler. And oh, yeah. Uh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Except, oh, man, that's second Sicario. Holy shit. No, uh, I didn't bother. Oh, my God. <laughs> it starts off with finding Muslim prayer rugs at the Mexican border. Ugh. Oh no! <laughs> did did like Alex that. Jones make this movie? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, speaking of, okay, that's right. Thank you for bringing up the uh, distracting names. Besides uh, Officer Loki mm-hmm. from Jake Gyllenhaal, <laughs> Paul Dano's character is Alex Jones. That's his name, and right. boy, did that distract me a couple times. <laughs> yeah, total goblin, big, big old goblin. <laughs> Gonna start yelling about making the frogs gay. Yeah, frogs are gay. You can only get the Bible now on Sega CD. Uh, Those girls were never really taken. This is a false flag. <laughs> false flag. Those girls oh, were no, never really Oh, no, now I owe a billion dollars. They were elaborate Pinocchio dolls put in there by the deep state. Uh, <laughs> moving on uh, to 2013 television. This is the fall debuts and some uh, some notable stuff in here. I didn't ever see any episode of Sleepy Hollow, but I heard decent things, and it comes from Underworld's Len Wiseman. Um, really? Yeah, creepy, gritty. Ichabod Crane is brought back to life 250 years to the modern era. Why? Why? Why not just make a ye old timey period piece X Files? Yeah, and then because that costs more money to build sets and stuff. Fine. And then, and then you can have a Bing Crosby narrator tell you all about Ichabod Crane. How he's a, quite the yep. ladies' man. I'm going to ruin the story in the Disney version and tell you he survived. Forgot yep. about that part, oh. didn't you? Hey, Nikki Reed's in this too. Uh, in the third season, wow. it's Betsy Ross. She's well, all grown up. <laughs> Betsy Ross or Nikki Reed? Um, yeah, well, Nikki Reed. She's not 13 anymore. It's true. Yeah, she 10 years will do that. Uh, sit, some sitcoms debut. Holy shit! Do you, like. I, I was working on the internet and I remember feeling this anger at mainstream entertainment. And a lot of that was taken out on dads. Do you remember the <laughs> amount of internet anger delivered at dads? A sitcom yes. you no. didn't have to watch. <laughs> Nobody had to watch, but <laughs> dads. I, I, I do mean... remember that there was a lot of controversy over it. What was the controversy? And that Fox leaned into that controversy with this uh, commercial. Oh. Fans are raving about the new comedy Dads. Critics may say offensive. Fans say... I don't see how you can be offended by this. You just laugh. Critics may say reprehensible. Reprehensible? This is fucked, baby. It was great. Critics may say morally wrong. I don't know what you're talking about. I think it's just hilarious. Don't listen to the critics. It's a must. <laughs> oh, it's up there with that, that state... Oh, that, remember that first state commercial like uh, for the second season and it was just all the bad critics reviews as they walked down the road crying in slow motion <laughs> the state more miserable crap this date no this just made me sad because I like everyone in the cast Dude, and I want happy things for them I think that's what made people the most mad the uh, very important guy from Family Guy creates a multi-camera sitcom starring Seth Green Giovanni Ribisi Peter Riegert and Martin Mull what a fucking waste of time for all of those people. We like those yeah. people. Why are they in this? I know the answer is money, but 
Jesus Christ, did this suck? <laughs> I didn't. I only watched like one episode. As it became like, I don't, I don't even. I'm not. On, I, I'm, I don't get on the X much uh, nowadays. But like, do you remember like? How many people are watching something they hate at the same time just to complain about it on this microblogging website? Just <laughs> trying to imagine like finding the time to do that now. You know how many stuff, how many things I have to watch for work for doing this job? Jesus Christ! I envy you people who don't have to watch anything you hate. <laughs> yeah, we are not representative. No. Every week yeah. we have to at least touch on three weeks worth of media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. I mean, it's the kind of thing where it's like. <sighs> I, I almost wanted to watch it until, yes, the reviews were so brutal because it's like, I can't remember last time Peter Rieger did a comedy. Yeah. So he's someone I like. And if he signed up for this, maybe there's something I'm missing. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about the next show, too, where it's like, I'm not so sure, but a lot of people I like signed up for this. And oh, then I gave it yeah. a chance. And oh, the next one is actually really good. Yes. That this, would be the dads can go fuck itself. The debut on Fox of Brooklyn Nine Nine, and I believe Yay. they would later because it's created by the same guy who did Parks and Rec and worked on The Office, and like NBC rejected the pilot, and then Fox picked it up. So after Fox canceled it, <laughs> NBC was like, "This should have been here the whole time. Let's let's get some Brooklyn Nine Nine in here and close this out proper." And yeah, it's uh, I've always li- liked it. I'd never have been able to get through all of it just because I discovered it after the show had finished its run. And, you know. Really? Yeah. Wow. You waited all the way to the end to find out after eight seasons? I'm really not watching anything on broadcast ever. Never. Mm. Never do I do that. I wait and see it later. Yeah. No, this this is one where it's like, yeah, I kind of skipped it for the first season or two, which for a lot of sitcoms is not at the worst idea because they find their feet and usually around the third season they start to really kick some ass and yeah that's uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine was always pretty good but it seemed to get much better as it got in and the characters were more defined and then it just became fun as hell yeah like yeah I I watched uh, on and off some seasons here and there and it's just yeah it's always fun and big part of it is a ridiculously talented cast. Yeah. Even, uh, you know, Chelsea Peretti, Joe Latrulio, speaking of the state, uh, Melissa Fumero, Terry Crews, Stephanie Beatrice. It's supposed to be an Andy Samberg vehicle and it totally isn't. And goddamn Andre Brower, goddamn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God. Pembleton from Homicide, Life on the Street, At- the grittiest of gritty shows, is so fucking funny. Yeah, he's strangely playing the same type, but then a completely different person. Yes. A a gay man who wants to be more outreaching, but is still kind of a stuffy police precinct captain. Um, And yeah, that that other form of the Parks and Rec where like these people are quirky and bumbling, but they're all good at their jobs. In Mm -hmm. Andy Samberg's case, really good at his job, but his personality sucks. (laughs) I have not watched much of this show. Everything I've watched really has tickled my funny bone. It's just a matter of time. But what I did see... This is some of the best mixes of comedy and drama out there. Mm. It just effortlessly blends the two into one whole while all serving joke after joke after joke. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Pretty- yeah. I, I think uh, because of its length, both Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Frasier this week are JR speed runs. Go look yeah. up the 20s best episodes. Yeah. That's um, perfect. Would you call this a best episode of How I Met Your Mother, The Locket, which aired 10 years ago? It. It's up there. This plays around with time, which is how I met your mother's wheelhouse. It keeps traveling back and forth and back and forth. And uh, 
it's it's a really good episode. Do not watch it if you haven't watched a lot of the previous seasons because it just won't work on that level. Mm. Hmm. The Locket, ladies and gentlemen. Then moving on to whew, games of 2013 because it is a big week for games. Wonderful 101 on Wii U, which I think was one of the last games Nintendo hadn't rescued from its worst platform, but I think it's get, it got out there finally. It got a Kickstarter yeah. and it got ported. Everything I read before the port was like, this is the one game that's always going to be locked on the Wii U because it's really needed for the controller. And then, as always, the answer proves to be not really. Not really. <laughs> it wasn't a very good touchscreen, so it couldn't do that much. Yeah, the Wonderful 101, a platinum game, one of the few I haven't played. I'm going to skip the biggie because it's so big. MechWarrior Online for Windows. Uh, Video Game Apocalypse Armored Core got us to dig into discarded or what is it? abandoned mech franchises that deserve a comeback. And I, we might have forgotten about good old MechWarrior, um, the online version. Broken Sword, The Serpent's Curse for PC, Mac, Linux, and iOS is out. I don't know anything about that. Very solid adventure game. You know, one of the rare ones that keeps coming out and keeps having sequels. Cool. Uh, Dragon's <laughs> Prophet. I miss, is, man, is it a PC game? Of course it is. <laughs> Dragon's Prophet. <laughs> yep. You tame a dragon and then you fly around on it and do fun stuff with it. Why am I shitting on it? That sounds dope. I love Panzer Dragoon. The Angry Video Game Nerd Adventures is out for PC. <laughs> it's trying to be Nintendo hard, mm. but fair. And maybe it's it's a decent platform shooter. Something you've seen a lot more times in the past, but mm. it does a decent job. The problem is it really leans hard into references, but they're not that funny. And if you've been on the internet right. and you've seen AVGN, everything is going to be like, yes, I'm aware Thank you, game. It eats balls. It sucks toast. It fucks dicks. It, okay. Um, and then <laughs> I shouldn't have cursed that much leading into one of my favorite games on the Wii U platform, which is still stuck there. The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker HD. I don't get why they don't re-release this game and the other Twilight Princess? Wii U. Yeah, Twilight Princess mm -hmm. on the Switch. I mean, the porting cannot be that hard. They're both the best versions of that game by far. Yep. This one blows the original Wind Waker out of the mm -hmm. water. I do not think there is a single reason to play the original Wind Waker when this improves every aspect of that yep. game. That's that's what it it's unlike Twilight Princess. Well, Twilight Princess got rid of the goddamn Wii Motion controller. This is not just a, a remaster, it fucking changes vital aspects of the game to make it better. Like uh the ocean is nowhere near as vast and cumbersome to travel. It's a it, it if it hadn't come out on the GameCube, this would have been like the 2.0 update that fixed everything wrong with the original Wind Waker and was available. And now Nintendo would prefer, why don't you just have no Wind Waker? <laughs> we won't sell that at all. <laughs> Frustrating. Uh, Hot Wheels World's Best Driver is out on PS3. That's a game for racing. We will be talking about racing games in this week's Fidget Game Apocalypse. <laughs> and something we always talk about on. Video Game Apocalypse, 10 years ago. It was a joke I made a long time ago. The PS2 got three GTAs. <laughs> the GTA 5 got three PlayStations. Uh, <laughs> 10 years ago, well, GTA 5 debuts. Wow. The last GTA game in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> technically, technically, technically. Te all this is like As of this moment. 
I mean, there is I mean, there is an astounding amount of free content. I, someone who has completed GTA Five, there is more than three times that content in the online game, including like storyline missions and cutscenes and dialogue. Big, big, big stuff that I just you know I'm not much of an online gamer. I tend to finish my game and move along, but uh, uh, GTA Five still played by. I don't know if millions is the right word, but hundreds of thousands of people every day, 10 years later. No, no, it's still raking in the cash. This is the most profitable single piece of media in the world. There's bigger franchises. Pokemon makes more money. But in terms of one thing, one book, one TV episode, one movie, one video game, this blows them all out of the water. $7.7 billion dollars this game has made in the last 10 years. Yeah. Wow. I do have to ask though, what did it cost? That's a lot. I mean, not $7 billion. That's the only reason I I, I might not use the word profitable because I thought I remember reading this game may have cost a billion dollars on its own, which is more than The official figure is 265 million. But wow. 10 years of upkeep and updates and... Okay, dude, they do have to pay the servers, fair. No, I mean, I mean this is these are not insignificant costs, though. Like, 10 years... Like, I didn't mean to be flippant about that. No, no, that. no, not, not flippant. It's just, like, just the idea that, like, uh, I worked on a much less popular online game. It was, like, a million dollars a month to keep that thing online. So, wow. so like, this is a big, big, big universe. So, like, I, I do wonder, like, how much they've spent as to how much they made. It, it, it would... I would be fat. They don't have to disclose those numbers, though, so we may never know. Um, but yeah, it's, I think GTA two times in a row became the most, the highest grossing anything in media with four and this. Uh, not insignificant. And I don't yeah. know how up you are on this, Jr. Ten years later, someone hacked into Rockstar servers and released a bunch of footage of GTA Six, and Rockstar like, okay, we're making a new GTA game. But we haven't announced anything, and it's been over a year. No announcement, yeah. but you can watch like 45 minutes of the game. <laughs> if if you do the math, given when GTA 6, it's not going to come out next year. Mm-hmm. I don't see any way that's possible. They, they'll hype up the train for longer than that. So reasonably speaking, in the time it takes to go from GTA 5 to GTA 6, the same amount of time gave us Grand Theft Auto 1, Grand Theft Auto 2, Grand Theft Auto 3, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, Grand Theft Auto 4, and Grand Theft Auto 5. We're probably going to go that same amount of time between GTA 5 and GTA 6. I mean, there's a whole... It's For GTA fans like me and Mr. Dinah Goodman, Michael Park, it's weird that GTA Online has become this huge thing because everything else we liked about Rockstar has kind of been sacrificed for that. They released one other game. In that ten years, mm. they had multiple and franchises that they've have not touched since this because that's how we, m- many resources and how much money it's making. We should point out when GTA Five was released, they did not release GTA Five online at the same time. Yeah, they waited two weeks because they weren't sure they could get the servers working, and so they wanted all the good reviews to be about the single player experience. Mm-hmm. And can mm-hmm. you imagine them doing that with GTA Six? No way. It's going to be all about the online experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't even fucking um, imagine. How do they keep that under wraps? <laughs> yeah, but this is a incredible solo game. Okay, let's talk about that for a while because it makes a brilliant decision by having you play 
three different characters which can give you all the GTA experiences you want. Yep. You know, you've got a character a lot like the character from Vice City, one character a lot like the character from San Andreas, and one character who you can just go into rampage mode now, and it makes sense for the character. That's my absolute <laughs> favorite thing about it is Trevor. Because, yeah, you got, um, mm-hmm. oh my God, am I forgetting his name? Well, I'm forgetting two of the characters' names here. There's Michael. He's like your mafia type, your mafia story. You have your rags to riches story with... Um, I am forgetting his name. Oh, my God. And you can switch between them at any time. And then what's really funny to me is it, it feels so antiquated when the media hated GTA and was accusing it of doing a, you can kill hookers for the mm-hmm. gameplay. And, like, you can do anything in this game. You're not required to do that. That's not part of the gameplay. And Trevor was just like, fuck you, now it is. This guy's a psychopath. And everything the games had never asked you to do, like killing innocent people, you now get to do <laughs> And, and it, was, it was so far after the controversy, it didn't even make a murmur in the mainstream news. No one cared because GTA had been established as a household franchise. Yeah. Yep. Well, I am seeing an incredible statistic right here. Hmm. In September of 2013, 50% of all software sold for computers wow. was GTA 5. I can believe it. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. It came, it this came... is the first piece of... This piece of media reached a billion dollars faster than anything else, and it's not even close. Yeah, I've not yeah. Gone with the Wind has made one point eight billion dollars, adjusted for almost a century's worth of inflation. Wow! <laughs> compared to eight billion dollars, so yeah, it's 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 staggering. It's truly staggering. But in terms of gameplay, I think this is the most detailed power fantasy of all time. Yeah, this <laughs> is. Yeah, yeah. I mean. This is the game where, what if I don't want to obey the social contract? Eh? Yeah. Eh? Can I do that? And the game says, yes. Yes, you can. And we have the most detailed environment for you to do it. I mean, you're stuck in traffic. Who hasn't, like, worked out? Well, if I banked my car off that corner, <laughs> crashed into that truck, I could probably slide through yeah, that. if I scraped up against that Mercedes just a little bit, I could nudge myself yeah. through. And also, I had the weird uh, the, the the voice actors are also the models for the characters. Uh, Franklin, there it is. Jesus Christ, Franklin is the character. Um, sorry, the, the, they use the the same actors for the models and voices of the character. And I was backstage at some comedy thing at San Francisco Sketchfest, and I heard a voice, and I turn around, and like that is the first time I saw a video game character in real life, Steve Oog. Trevor, like he looks and sounds like him, and it is really frightening to see in person. Charles Martinet does not look like Mario, nor does he talk like him. <laughs> but it it was astounding. But yeah, and I my one of my last midnight things that I ever went to was the launch of this game. One because I was hyped for the game. Two, I was pissed. I needed a new 360 about four two months before the next Xbox came out. I my 360 lasted way longer than all my friends never red rings and I had to wait in the best buy line at midnight to get both an Xbox and this game and then I get home and I, I anticipated some of this oh I'm just gonna set up my console oh I gotta update this fucking thing let's play GTA oh there's a mandatory one disc install oh my god <laughs> and so I remember it was like four in the morning like four or five in the morning before I could touch the game <laughs> that when did pre-installing games become a thing? Not until, I don't think the 
until Steam started doing it, and then I think the PS4, Xbox One generation caught up with that. Because okay. yeah, yeah, because yeah, the, this is a huge, gigantic game, and so you buy your new game, and it's like have fun playing it in seven hours. Yep, because that'll be 160 gigs now. You have to download, or you could be Zelda Tears of the Kingdom and be five to 12 gigs. How do they do it? Nintendo, your magic. Grand Theft Auto Five, a great, great, great fucking game that for a while was on Game Pass, but I don't think has been discounted significantly enough for a 10-year-old game. It is still like 30 bucks to get the base game. And but it's, it's a great still game. huge. I know, I know. It's just, but there's there's the online aspect. There is literally a fucking casino you can gamble real, actual human dollars in, and people do. Because oh. you can buy oh. property and buy, seriously, there's, if, whenever you see it, it always comes with a shark card, and that's their version of a credit card, because it, that's how you'll get money to play. You don't have to, but I can't imagine a lot of people playing this long aren't spending a ton of real money in this game. And, you know, I think if you spend 10 years in the game, you probably owe somebody a little bit. So <laughs> why not? Grand Theft Auto Five. it's worth spending a lot of time on because, man, it is. I want to say it was a game changer, but there's never been anything like it since. And I don't... That's how difficult an endeavor, uh, I think, what Rockstar does. I mean, cost of gaming has gone up. Yeah. You know, the cost to make a triple A game gets more expensive every year. And this isn't even a triple A game. This is a quadruple A game. I mean, (laughs) if you're ready to spend $250 million, which it's not an inflation, it's just a rising cost of Mm -hmm. making things better, higher graphics, all that things. If you wanted to make this game in 2023 with 2023 graphics, probably $500 million. Yeah. You have to be damn, probably, damn sure of your IP before you spend half a billion dollars and, to make a To put game. it another way, it was about 15 years ago where all the GTA clones died out because people realized mm. there's something else happening here that is a little more difficult and costly to create. And the only game that got close was Saints Row, and their studio was closed last mm. month. So, yeah, I, I don't know that we'll ever see anything like GTA. I cannot wait for a new GTA. Holy shit. Video Game Apocalypse every Friday if you want to hear me go more on video games. That is almost it for the show. We're going to tell you who died in a quiz we want you to play along with about who was born. Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Got to plug that. Five bucks. Get uh, hundreds of free podcasts. That's an asterisk on free. Uh, new shit coming all the time, including a brand new season of uh, Elm Street Nightmare. All of Evil Dead covered. Holy shit, is that fun. Evil Dead might be the most fun horror franchise ever. Uh, for real. Uh-huh. Uh, I think... Next week, we're talking about something in a franchise you might have already covered. Yeah. Yeah, we got a Chucky movie coming next Oh, week. we did all, all, the night, uh, all the Chucky slash Child's Play movies, which was a fucking delight. It's just a true <laughs> delight. I, JR, were you with me? You hadn't experienced the last couple. And I they, was. They were uh, so fun. I believe this is a Chucky I covered with you. Yep, it was. Yep. Oh, good, good. Di, where can folks find you nowadays? Uh, nowadays, they can find me on Blue Sky and Threads at ListenAnerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, taking a break, possibly forever, from Twitter because uh, Nazis. Not yeah. a fan. Not yeah. not a fan. Well, you know, it, but, Elon Musk blamed the Jews for why it lost money. So, you know, right, you got to let a couple yeah. Nazis in there just to counterbalance what all the damage the Jews did. Oh, yeah. This is not a the real Jews. opinion I hold. I just like to make fun of Elon Musk and his ridiculousness. 
But he did say yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. He did. And it's like, well, how come I'm not getting any of this money? Mm-hmm. Part of this cool international conspiracy, no one asks me for my opinion which part of Western civilization we just destroyed yeah. first. Find your closest Jew and ask them if they got a share of $40 billion that he, in a, from a company he created himself. It doesn't seem to yes. know who to blame. Oh. Yes. Oh. Anyway, coming up next week, we got some fun stuff. We got Thor's going to make a driving movie. <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt's going to make a porn movie, hey. in a way. Uh, we got a sequel to an animated movie that I quite liked. We have the first attempt at passing the torch to The Rock to become our new big hero oh, man. action guy. And most importantly, you know what's great about these movies? We keep getting older, mm-hmm. and they stay the same age. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And if that wasn't enough... In television land, we're going to see The World Meets Boy. What? Mm-hmm. On Seinfeld, Jerry dresses like a pirate. But I don't want to be a pirate. <laughs> Mario gets his only first-person shooter? Question mark. <laughs> what? Charlie Sheen's most successful work of all time makes its debut. Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. And the very last show i will ever ever hate watch ends i'm free free (laughs) Hmm. i wonder what that was for me probably lost Mm. uh unless it's lost um might have been lost yeah i'm just like well that's it i'm gonna go into the bitter end fuck this shit Oh, yeah, and I, was... the website sounds so plugged for the Laser Time Facebook community. Bunch of fun stuff in there, and JR has been asking some interesting questions. What, what did you ask? What is the most far off event you've created on your calendar? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> if you put like a Google calendar for like 2037, is that the furthest thing you've ever put on your calendar? I, I know I've done it for some oh. doctor's appointments with shitty insurance. We're like, all right, I can see a psychiatrist and, uh, two physical years from now um <laughs> oh i i have a very specific answer i have marked the date where i crossed the wilford brimley line what? and Ooh. i am the same age as wilford brimley the day cocoon debuted oh no yeah. what is that like that's got to be like 60 years from now diana <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the show die without further ado who died this week well the only fat guy i found this week is uh shep woolley who died in 2003 he was 82 interesting story on that guy he's like a bit actor he's a bit musician he's got you know a a novelty song purple people leader that's him? he's also yep that's wow. him he's also in a bunch of serious movies he's in outlaw josie wales and giant and he's got a small part in high noon wow. but he also is featured in more than 400 movies <laughs> just his voice though yeah Here. hit it <laughs> Shep Woolley appears to be the man behind the Wilhelm scream. I mean, did they, you, they found, they found a, the, the raw audio recording. last year. It was, a, and you can hear him like, no, no, yeah. more, more of this. And, he, and it's literally like three minutes, and he's like, "That was it. You nailed it." And you can hear them like fumbling to shut the tape off. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> that scream. Ah! So, Shep Woolley, the man behind the Wilhelm scream. Hell yeah! God bless him. Well, with the deaths out of the way, we got to do a quiz on who was born. Jr., what time is it? It's birthday time. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. 
Oh, just to bring oh. us down, last week we had someone who was in the 27 Club. Couple people messaged me to point out Jonathan Brandis from uh, Ooh, Sequest DSV is also in the 27 Ladybugs. Club. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, on that happy news, we're <laughs> yeah. talking to someone who's still alive Yay. and turning 75. Oh, okay. Born September 20th, 1948, in. Bayon, New Jersey, the son of a longshore man. I have a really stupid guess. Is it somebody we talked about in this episode? Not really. Okay, never mind. If not Bruce Willis, then. Okay. He was a big comic book fan, said Stan Lee was one of the great influences in his life, and has multiple letters published in Fantastic Four, uh, number 20, number 32, and number 34. Huh. Oh, I think I know who this is. Is it a writer? It is a writer. Yeah. All right. All right. Oh, yeah. Bayon, I think you know it. Zone. Yeah. Sold his first work to Galaxy Magazine in February of 1971 called The Hero. He would eventually go on to serve as vice president of the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America Association. Wow. Cool. He avoided the draft in Vietnam by being a conscientious objector and did two years of alternative service. Television shows he's written for include The Hitchhiker, The Twilight Zone, 1986, Beauty and the Beast, Doorways, The Outer Limits, Name Blanked Out because it gives it all away, Robot Chicken, Z Nation, Name Blanked Out because it gives it all away. Oh, I feel like I'm on fucking... Diana knows it. Oh, oh. Yeah. No, wait. His books include A Game of Thrones, Oh, Double A, yeah, Double A. A Storm yeah. of Swords, A Feast of Crows, A Dance with Dragons, and allegedly, <laughs> The Winds of Winter. Allegedly. 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 Yeah, I the the uh, letters to comic books, uh, people have dug those up while Game of Thrones was going on and being like, here's here's 12-year-old George R. R. Martin of Bayonne, New Jersey, writing into the Fantastic Four. <laughs> what like, oh, that's so cute! I wonder what his name was then. Did he have the two R's in there? No, uh, that was a so. later affectation. Yeah. Oh. Uh, he adopted the confirmation name of Richard at 13. Before that, he was George Raymond Martin. Oh. Or as Sarah likes to call him, George Ray Prape Martin, because she's critical of his work. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, God damn. Well, happy birthday, George Double R Martin. I hope you continue to work despite having a weird work ethic. Really did enjoy those first three books and a lot of that show you, you're a part of. And Elden Ring was yeah. the shit. Oh, uh, well, that about wraps up our show. Patreon.com slash laser time. Give us five bucks, please. Uh, I'm the only one by Melissa Etheridge will take us out. That was a huge yep. hit off of her yep, album. The, that... Off of uh, Yes, I Am. I would have gone with Purple People Eater, but like every <laughs> lesbian would be at my house if I did not go out with this or come to my window. I still <laughs> admire those kick ass. The coming out in the title of your album. Like, just <laughs> stop asking me. Here's the title of my album is Yes, I Am. Uh, <laughs> I'm the only one by Melissa Etheridge. You've heard it. That'll take us out. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week. <laughs>